Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan, and we're going to go into some otherworldly Batman shit this time. First, I've got to shout out my longtime sponsor since day one, Radar Toys. They're right here in Eugene, Oregon, and you can shop RadarToys.com. Save an extra 10% using the code BATFANPOD at your checkout, and always you will get free shipping in the U.S., Now, we have read Jeff Loeb's stories before with Long Halloween and Dark Victory, but on the heels of BVS and going into Justice League, we are going to dig into his collaboration with Ed McGinnis and Michael Turner. This is Superman Batman, Volume 1. We're going to record the show now. Which one are we doing first? I know there's, there's a way we always do it. For those who don't know, we record two episodes at a time, so... We got to figure out which one to talk about first. This one is Superman Batman Volume 1 in 2003, written by Jeff Loeb, penciled by Ed McGinnis. Evil uh, is getting very excited about that. Oh, yeah. Pat Lee for A Chapter, one issue, and Michael Turner. Ink by Dexter Vines, Michael Turner, Dreamwave Productions. Colored by Dave Stewart, Peter Steigerwald, and Dreamwave Productions. Lettered by the one and only Richard Starkings. Hardest working man in comics right there. Seriously? Bass player. <laughs> He's all over the place. So, any uh, first impressions? I love this book. Yeah? Because it has all the weird like space stuff. After having just looked at Batman vs. Superman, the movie, Yeah. which, if I had to boil down my criticisms of it, it's boring. That's what it is. And whatever you want to say about this book, it's not boring. It's just, they're in outer space, and they're in Themyscira, and they're just, like, constantly doing stuff. I was happy to read some Ed McGinnis stuff again. I actually have all this stuff in individual issues, and I could have sworn that I even, I thought that there was, like, a public enemies trade paperback that only had his issues in it. Yeah. And I could have sworn that I had that, but I looked at my bookcase like a dozen times and eventually i was like if i haven't seen it already it probably doesn't exist i think that is a thing though i had this i had three separate books yeah because i I remember the cover and it's like it's divided in half with the title in the middle and in one character on top and one character on the bottom and Mm -hmm. i could have swore that not that it really made a difference other than generally the paperbacks will have the like a sketchbook section or covers or something like that but yeah regardless i have the individual issues because I can't remember when I first became aware of Ed McGinnis's stuff. It, it may have been in his like original Superman run. And then from there, I had backtracked to find his early Deadpool stuff. And he did a title called Mr. Majestic, which I think likely landed him the Superman gig anyways, because he was like a super buff caped figure, like more mm-hmm. or less Superman. But for some, I don't remember, it's like in some indie imprint. And then I'd, read his stuff from there and I'd kept up with it pretty good until he kind of switched over to Marvel at some point. But I really liked his early stuff a lot. His super buff guys looking so solid and with like the solid black shapes and the simplicity of his lines. I always thought that his stuff was awesome in the past. I like his Superman, but I don't like his Batman. Mm. And that's weird because they're similar, but 
he killed Superman for sure. Wait, he or, killed Superman. Spoiler alert. He does, he does a really good job. He does a really good job with Superman. Uh, and I still like his Batman because of the ways that he finds to make him look different or the way that he totally shadows his face sometimes that makes it more like the animated series with just the eyeballs and the way he breaks down things in really simple ways appeals to me a lot. I still dig his Batman, but I would agree I, it's not. I should modify it. I actually don't have a problem with his Batman. I don't like his Bruce Wayne. Mm. Yes, really okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. Is it because he has the Capullo baby face thing going on? Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, and it works for Superman, but I just don't like it for Batman. <laughs> uh-huh. Where's that Affleck double, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Want some wrinkles in that face. Scars, scars on that he should be gone. I feel like he's not eating enough. That's, <laughs> the character shouldn't be eating enough. <laughs> All right, let's get into some story points here. Uh, The opening pages begin by setting the stage with that contrast. We have the inner monologue between these two characters, which is so fun to read. Again, this is Jeff Loeb, who we've read before, but just in a much different uh, setting. We have Superman talking about his origins. The dream always begins the same. And... Bruce talking about his origins and the nightmare always begins the same. And, and so every little line here is a perfect mirror image of the other. And in sort of this BVS montage retelling, it almost made me think that I wonder if Snyder did get some of that from this in the way that it was so beautifully condensed and just summed up the heart and the motive and everything about each character separately but simultaneously. I thought that was really, really well done. This part is cool, too, because the alternating monologue stuff runs throughout the comic, but in this part, actually having the alternating panels yeah, kind of one-for-one trading off back and forth while the dialogue trades, but the panels to mirror each other, too. That's really cool. And they could have just done that for this part, but I like that it kind of is a motif, they revisit it a lot of times throughout just to, to kind of like check in and remind you, you know, what's going on with these two and how there's sort of a reverence for each other, even when they disagree. It's kind of like the three of us, right? <laughs> you guys love me. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you guys can be wrong a lot, but I still love you, you know, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate your wrong perspective, you know, because <laughs> you, you understand that I just have a fundamental power. That you'll never have exactly. You, yeah, yeah, and I'm just coming from this this place of having to prove myself to myself every <laughs> night there in the streets, you know. And Evan, you got you have a banging bod, <laughs> real big cans. <laughs> I feel like that's the second half of this book. Is just appreciating that. So. Hella sweet titties. <laughs> All right, so Metallo robs Star Labs and Grave robs himself. Batman and Superman are both kind of led to this place at the same moment. Superman uh, pats himself on the back for sneaking up on Batman, which not a lot of people get to do. And Batman hates it. Yeah. yeah. With no self-awareness. He's like, I hate that. Yeah, it's great. The, the Shit gets wild. I mean, like you were saying, it's never boring. The pace of this book is crazy because... I mean, they just get to start investigating and what's going on, and all of a sudden it's like Superman shot with a kryptonite bullet, and they're getting buried alive, and Batman's trying to pull the 
kryptonite out of his chest and planting a bomb underneath Superman's body. Be my, be my shield, like, literally. <laughs> yeah, like a human shield to try to blow them up out of the grave. I mean, like, shit just gets wild real fast. I believe that Batman has an intricate knowledge of the city and so that he would know that there was tunnels under there. And I was like, yeah, I can buy this. But then also, that just seems like a garbage place to bury dead people. Like, that just doesn't seem like a very good place to put a bunch of holes in the ground. Did I misread that? I thought it was blowing them upward. No, because I think they went no, into they, the they, Yeah, they oh. fall in the sewers after oh, that. Shit. And then Alfred, like, greets them with a shotgun at the gate. Along with, like, yeah, the, you're right. the bodies of countless other people's family members. Yes. <laughs> totally sewer. desecrated. No biggie. Is that an arm? Ooh. <laughs> Actually, there. what you mentioned about Alfred, that'll tie in to the next book we're reading. I like Ed McGuinness's Alfred because of his kind of cartoony style. He looks a little bit like the animated series Alfred, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, it sort of has that 40s Fleischer sort of thing going on in less of a noir Bruce Tim way, but it's uh-huh. almost like skipping a generation and going back to their influences, you know? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at his Alfred now. I could totally see that. I like it. I like that Superman ribs Batman about his butler guarding the cave with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of the beginning of that fun thing of the two of them making fun of each other's tropes like things that are normal to them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and another cool thing during all that action is while superman is dying with a bullet in his heart bruce says knowing clark he's more concerned with my health than his own right and of course batman fucks himself up from that bomb and superman has to pull him out of the water and save him you know and so Uh no matter what even though he's for all intents and purposes if alfred wasn't there minutes away from death He's still, like, looking out for somebody else, which is just the perpetual Boy Scout, you know? We all know that Batman is, he's a little off up top. <laughs> but, but I like that part when they reintroduce him and he's in the cemetery. And his whole thing at the beginning is like, this is my favorite part of the job, being at a fresh crime scene. Yeah. Doing the investigation. But he also happens to be in like a freshly exhumed grave. <laughs> and <laughs> like, this is the best part. <laughs> Looking at the bodies. Hey, no one else has been here yet. <laughs> I don't know what you're no talking about. This. He is a perfect picture of sanity. Oh, yeah, he's good. Oh, I like that too because, I mean, the Superman comments on it pretty soon after this where he's talking about like, Bruce is a freak. We yeah, are like the parts <laughs> like, is it the part of him that is, has like a super inventive mind that I respect? Or is it the part of him that has like a compulsive need to uh, to like fight and hurt people, making up for his parents' death, which yeah. I don't like. Yeah. Uh-huh. So seeing that those are both there, but I like in Batman's mind, he's like, I just love investigating. I like solving crimes. Yeah. This I is s- not a Batman who like loves beating people mm. necessarily. Totally. Yeah. Anytime I get to bust out my bat tweezers, that's a good <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those tweezers. You know this is a detective story. So fun! Oh my god. <laughs> I got my flashlight in my mouth. I got my tweezers. <laughs> all these dead bodies. Ever- so funny. Yeah, all these, all my dead friends. <laughs> so good. I got my swim trunks. I got my flippy floppies. <laughs> I got my flippy floppies. <laughs> Alfred removes the kryptonite bullet, and Bruce discovers that Metallo may have been 
his parents' killer. They find some evidence quite conveniently. All the while, again, the pace is just relentless. Future Superman shows up. He's a little grayed and uh, almost more like the, the Thomas Wayne Batman. He's ready to kill. He has like that Kingdom Come Superman costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He uh, winds up shot with the same bullet fragment that they just pulled out of Clark's chest, which I thought was nice. <laughs> it's like callbacks to five minutes ago. I did have a moment of like Evan style, like, I don't think you could just put that in a gun. Yeah. That's, that's, that's funny because I was just thinking that, like, I didn't even think about it while I was reading the comic. It's a musket. You jam uh, it in there with the yeah, okay, thing. Yeah, and- a musket. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, that's it doesn't just, like, like, shoot it into pieces or no, destroy a gun. No. It's like a flint and powder set up to yeah. shoot the equipment on bullets. <laughs> that makes sense if that's the case. So Lex discovers there's this mass kryptonite meteor headed for Earth. He tries to destroy it using a boom tube and some heavy artillery, which fails. So he decides to uh, take it public and put a bounty on Superman, believing that it is uh, somehow linked to him. Why else would it be coming to Earth? And so everybody is coming out of the woodwork to try to collect that bounty on Superman. And we get this uh, crazy fight when uh, Batman and Superman go to confront Luther after this announcement, but they they don't get very far before it's just one after another. All these B and C list villains from across the DC universe teaming up and piling on. I love it. It's a really slick way to just shove a whole bunch of characters in there. Yeah. And uh, like I've talked about with other artists in the past, I always just want to see them draw as many characters as possible. Yeah. Because it's likely that you land on a title and you only ever get to regularly draw a certain amount of people. But then you get something like this. And granted, it's not a ton, but everybody gets a little bit of light. And uh, to see them get the chance to draw like two dozen characters is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's sort of like when they'll do the the Noel flashback single page where it's just a yeah. montage of every past villain, you know? Yeah. I just wanted to draw a 60s Catwoman. That's all. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, or like three Jokers doing the scars, you know? Well, I just wanted to fit into Catwoman and a killer croc and, you know. Yeah. I need a regular uh-huh. somewhere. Exactly. I always like characters who don't look as strong as they actually are. And granted, Superman looks stronger than other characters look yeah i mean at least he looks He's like built. a buff guy but i've always loved people with mental abilities i like in akira that all these kids have really incredible telekinetic powers because you just misjudge them from the outside you know they look like children but they're actually gene gray every one of them is like gene gray and so i always think those understated characters are cool but I, what i like in this particularly is that the gorilla is the, is the yeah yeah, yeah yeah what i really like is animals huge talking animals <laughs> I like when Superman and Mongol are fighting. Superman finally turns it around and he just like grabs Mongol's fist. But like his hand is nowhere near. It's like one twentieth the size of what Mongol's fist is. But I love the contrast in it doesn't matter. Size doesn't matter. Dude is still strong enough to, you know, he could like grab him by the pinky and turn the fight around or something. But I just love how it just bam, stops it, and just the thought of what that looks like and sounds like and 
the contrast in their size. He looks like Apocalypse from X-Men or something, you know? Yeah. It's funny having read enough Marvel stuff and DC stuff to be able to make like the character crossovers. Like, this guy is awfully yeah. <laughs> similar yeah. to He's familiar. Guy. Yeah, yeah, which one was a plagiarism of the other, that kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Back and forth. I wonder I that sometimes. i timeline and see which one came around first. Well, that's one of my favorite things about this book. It's kind of in the same way that I didn't like the stuff in uh, Nightfall since it had to be like a week-to-week thing, some of the stories just felt disconnected or yeah. irrelevant. And this has that a little bit, especially in the beginning, because we're covering so much ground. And like, there's Metallo, and then there's all these people. But it never felt quite that disconnected. And so I liked getting to, not only to see all these side DC characters, but to have no explanation for them. <laughs> so, if, so if you're reading them, because I think the way I read this is around the time it came out, and I didn't know a lot of these side characters and they just don't, they don't care that you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Same. Like, yeah. If you know them, you get the little good feeling of, oh yeah, I know that character. But if you don't, well, if, fine. if not, it'll be over by the next page. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Somebody maybe, else will show up as a cliffhanger. Yeah. Or maybe it's like a low key diss or something like, uh, <laughs> we should, we should know them, you know, and if these characters are showing up and we're not smart enough to know who they are, then that's on us. We that's like Captain Adam and Katana and Gorilla Rod and yeah, you got to know all these guys. Whoever the hypersonic skull lady was, and Banshee. I, it reminds me. Yesterday, I saw, um, you know, Mark Marin had a Instagram post, and apropos of nothing, he had a comment that was like, "Hey, you should interview so and so on the show," and. He said, well, maybe if you listen to the show, you'd realize that I already had her on, you know. And uh, it's sort of that little diss of like, well, if you guys followed this, you would know who these people are, you know. If you were a true fan. Yeah. So, like, I like Batgirl. I like the Cassandra Cain Batgirl, and she's in this story later as a tiny little cameo. Yeah. And again, I have this book, and I read it. I still could not tell you anything about that black-haired Supergirl. I knew nothing about that character Mm. at all. I forgot that character even existed, and she's just here. Oh yeah, you're right. Explain it. Yeah, because they have their their little posse's that go in after Luther later. Yeah, the Superman and, crew and the Batman crew. Yeah, I am very much ignorant to a lot of the Superman side characters for sure. But I like those. I like it again because I like the gimmick of a character that is directly pulling the visual style from the original inspiration. So anyone yeah. who has like an S on their chest and is some kind of Kryptonian, I'm kind of interested. Yeah. But. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know who that lady is at all. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever read anything other than this where Steel was a lady character. I didn't know mm. that was a thing. In a totally different kind of costume, too. Yeah, like looking like a robot. I think it may have been the cover to this chapter, but it's the one where in the pool of blood you can see that Batman is holding Superman, but otherwise you only see like his arm dipping in the pool of blood, and that's a very cool cover strong imagery i read comics in this thing that i'm talking to you through, so i can't go look at it but can you draw it for me really quick yeah yeah let me bust it out real fast so after this massive fight all of these people are ganging up and then sort of get taken out by a whole other gang trying to capture them so captain adam shows up with his whole posse to uh round them up and bring them back to luther Katana and Power Girl seem to have been playing both sides and escape with Batman and Superman. I just feel like this happens way too fast. They follow them to Tokyo 
and they find out, like Captain Adam finds out, like, oh, you guys flipped on me, you were playing, you know, then they, like, convince him really fast to have a change of heart, and he sacrifices himself to save the day, and it would just seem like this came out of nowhere, sort of. It could have been a whole book, but it was like a scene. Yeah, it is crammed in there too much. Although I will say that I think they did a pretty good job finding the way out of it, which is to convince them that like all these people are going to die and you think you're a hero. Yeah. So you have to do this or you're a bad guy. But yeah. yeah, it's it's just a lot of stuff crammed in very quickly. The first chunk of the story that we have read is the most guilty of that, of cramming a whole bunch of shit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's sort of the... Superman who's appointed by Ronald Reagan in this story, uh, you know, where... Government lackey. Exactly. I mean, he's sort of that version of Superman for this purpose. It feels like they set this storytelling pace early on, but then at no point were able to pull away from it because that's so much story to tell in so few issues. Yeah. And so then even in scenarios where it would have been cool to to have a little more dramatic pause and Captain Adam thinking about the way of this situation or something, yeah. then they just couldn't do it because they're like, well, screw it. <laughs> no, we, have, we have to blow him up on the next page. Yeah, like, no, he's totally on board. <laughs> he was our enemy, now he's our friend. Kill yourself. Well, think uh, about Jeff Loeb in terms of what we've read so far, and that is Dark Victory and The Long Halloween. Both of these occur over the course of like a year, and he's getting all these issues to bring in all the characters and do his thing. And so in this, he's having to do it in five or six issues, what he once had twice the time to cover. And so it's not necessarily different for him to bring in everybody and do all this shit. It's just like there wasn't enough time to really draw it out and make you feel every beat. But this has like four to five times more characters than Mm -hmm. most stories do. For sure. It has that thing that comics do, especially like anytime it's like in a middle era of comics where they haven't just rebooted things to try and bring other people in, where they're like, they just take for granted that you've read all this stuff and you'll know it. Yeah. So they're hoping that you'll take your relationship with these characters from like the previous experiences. With I'm them. like, bitch, it says volume one. This is the yeah. beginning. Who is Captain Adam? Who are any of these people? <laughs> yeah. any of this is? I was supposed to have read something before like, this. Is that yeah. Captain Planet? The environment guy? well i felt the same way too with when they introduced the the toy maker kid yeah they just name drop him like he's a dude that i should know something oh, about oh the toy maker yeah like, spider-man oh right? yeah mount fuji <laughs> i know <laughs> oh, yeah like i felt that it moved so quickly that scenarios that should have more gravity lacked it yeah and there was just kind of a lot of assumption that i knew more than I did. There's never any editor's note, see this, yeah. editor's note, read that. It's just like, is. It's the opposite of what we complained about in some of the movies being like, here you go, stupid audience, you know? It's yeah. just, just like no context, nothing. Yeah, you know? I love it. I could have used a, like, asterisk down at the bottom, we just made this character up, you don't know him from anywhere, like, thank you, God, okay, got it. I shouldn't know who this kid is. Well, within six issues, we have two versions of Superman. We have outer space villains. We have the Justice League and the Justice Society. And it's just like... Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, this is only a few years after Kingdom Come, I think. Kingdom Come is 96. Is that what we figured out? 
Yeah. Yeah. This something is like, like 99, that. isn't it? Early 2000s. Uh, copyright 2003. So it's a little after, but it still feels like drawing from that of just cram the whole universe in there. Let's, yeah. let's bring it all in. Uh-huh. Well, and Ev, you kind of set us up on a good segue here because Toy Man yes! is, is the next <laughs> part. But I also wanted to mention that in, in some of this underdeveloped stuff we're talking about that I didn't even understand how or why when they escaped from Captain Adam that they ended up in Tokyo and that the fight was there. Like, obviously they need to be there because the next issue is Toy Man, but I didn't understand how or what the fuck they were even doing there in the first place because they went from going after Luther at the White House to, okay, let's make our escape and further our plan in Tokyo. Well, is this the whole thing where they keep saying plan B or is that a later issue where Batman's like, I want to do plan B and Superman's like, not yet. I think that's later on, but I can't remember what it is, though. It felt like they wanted to confront Luther, and that didn't work, but they still had their next step, which was get to Tokyo and talk to Toy Man. <laughs> I can't tell if it's one of those cockamamie plans that is stupid or if it's so smart that I just can't understand it. Well, I thought their plan B was the castling move where they switch places when when Hawkman and Shazam... Oh. Are there? <laughs> and plan A was to win the fight. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First part of our smart plan: get our butts. Second plan. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm confusing it. But I think they were just get to Toy Man. That's the next step. Yeah. And so get to Japan. So is like what they needed to do. Well, so where do they escape to? Uh, halfway around the world. Can we do that in thirty seconds? Yeah, sure. Well, and What's the it's, well, it's a boob. It's a boob. It's like we'll we'll talk about that later today in the Justice League episode. Where they'll be like, "Oh, they're in Russia. We could never get there in time." And Cyborg's just like, "I can make it fly that fast," and no no one questions okay. it. It's just like, "Oh, all right." I have robot powers. We're, we're gonna break the sound barrier and survive. Oh, and they talk about making an excuse to include all these random characters just so we can see them drawn. Yeah. But then if I go backwards in this plan, I'm like supposed to believe that they are headed towards the capital so that these bad guys would attack them, so that the good guys would then attack them, <laughs> so that they could grab their good guy friends from the good guy group and go to some random spot in yeah. Japan and then go to Mount Fuji in Japan. That's what I'm saying. And then Lex Luthor hired the telepathic evil gorilla to capture these other supervillains yeah. to bring them here just for this moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Talk right. about a Jesse Eisenberg Luther plan, man. In my head, I'm like, the only thing that's going to make this cooler is a giant robot suit. You'll get it. Yeah, yeah. Yes! <laughs> you'll, Good. you'll get like two of them. You'll get yeah. three giant robot suits over the course two, of the put story. Into one. Well, so I, I like that when they, they're trying to uh, seek out this mysterious toy man, <laughs> they decide that the best way to quote-unquote distract him, everyone turns and looks at Power Girl, and she's like, what? Why? Oh, he's 13 years old, and uh, my signature boob window here yeah. will do Which the job. I simultaneously think is dumb, in the sense that like, you create a character with big tits and a window to look at them, yeah. and then you have her go like, what do you mean, these things that you made? Oh, that's what it is. But I also love it. <laughs> it's a solid gag. I don't mind it. So this is when Shazam and Hawkman intervene. They pull their cool uh, switcheroo where they say, what is it, the Rook and the Knight 
change places or whichever uh-huh. chess pieces. Castling. It's a chess thing. You wouldn't get it. You play I, yeah. Chess. I'm an anti-intellectual person who plays Connect Four. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a checkers man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I like that they pull this off and it's super cool looking. And like, to me, this is the first part where I'm actually invested in this and this is like getting exciting. And I'm like, okay, this is some badass Batman and Superman shit. And then they instantly lose because he's like, oh, they think they're the only people who thought of this. And they <laughs> pulled the uh-huh. same shit back on him like they had been waiting for it. And uh, I, I like that. The two things that I think are tight is that Hawkman punches Superman with this like eye of Horus or something. Oh, like yeah, this, yeah. This just monster glove. And Powered by it, the magnetosphere. Of yes, yeah, which... That whole thing is like a very anime moment to me, like just overly explained as if you have like minutes at a time to explain your maneuver, like boss battling. They're just like, um, how did you punch Superman like that? I'm like, well, we got to tell him. He said that whole thing after winding up, but before punching. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was fast and undodgeable. <laughs> what do you like punch somebody like out and then you like didn't get to finish your spiel because you punched him so far like oh, well I'll catch you on the ground it's the glove of horrors yeah no this is why it's so strong it's not just because it's big I had to go back in that because I would have thought it was really cheesy if he punched him with this like massive thing that was supposed to be mounted to his hip but then it didn't appear in any other panels oh. like where did that guy come from <laughs> it was in one other panel and then every other panel before that it wouldn't have been visible anyways. Behind him or covered by a wing or something. Yeah, because it made it look like it's just massive. But I do like it because I like characters introducing these things that have at least temporarily comparable powers to some of these like super-powered characters. Yeah. I would never think that people could actually go toe-to-toe with Superman, but in certain scenarios, I guess it happens. And I like that, you know, it's powered by the Earth's gravitational pull or something that's cool and then i like the part two with is this name shazam or captain well yeah yeah, i just they in recent years they've just called him shazam so that's what i call him because people are so confused yeah and so i do like well speaking of whose company stole what from who you know that's the (laughs) that's the classic well they have the exact same name well i think captain marvel was from a different brand altogether yeah and dc absorbed it yeah but they couldn't call the series Captain Marvel because Marvel or, or something weird like that. Yeah, doesn't matter. Actually, that part is kind of whack to me. because I was going to say that I like that he turns back into his child form and then lightning bolts Dude, to I defeat Dude, I fucking love that shit. I think it's awesome, but then I was just thinking that but the way that he de-evolved is like he gets tossed through the air, Batman kicks him once in the back, and then he turns into a kid. Like, how was that attack powerful enough to make him transform back into child form? I don't remember specifically enough, but... Batman's too dumb to realize that. (laughs) At least he he realizes it at the last moment. I'll tell you this. I was really excited when they showed Shazam popping in to intervene, right? And Mm. I was like, oh, yes. So Shazam's going to face off a Superman, and then you go to the next one. Who's Batman going to... Hawkman... (laughs) it's <laughs> just like fine it's, it's weird because like the whole reason Captain Marvel is always used as a foil for Superman is because his powers are magic yeah because that bends reality it doesn't matter that Superman is so powerful yeah but what's Hawkman's deal I don't know 
I don't know these How people. How strong is he? I don't. I don't know that. He, he has the power of ancient Egypt. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Is that a good match for Batman? Is that the natural? Power? <laughs> I, I think. I think if anything, maybe he's just also a human, and it's like a battle of animal costumes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after this, Luther preemptively announces Superman's capture, baiting their allies to come rescue him from the White House, right? So we get these little teams read, led by Superboy and Nightwing. That was that Cassandra Kane cameo that you mentioned. Yeah. Batman and Superman actually uh, come to the rescue after this double cross occurs. I think there's a really nice dialogue with Luther and Nightwing where they're really kind of going for the throat. You know, some of the first, like, James Bond, Luther shit that we get in this. Um, that... Nightwing looks cool too. Yeah. I like seeing all these little cameos. Tim shows up and, you know. But then when uh, Batman and Superman come, they are. Tell me about them coming. With the power of the center of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for bailing me out of that because I was just like, I don't want to do this right now. We get enough flack for talking shit. There goes the five star again. God, you can't manage. Ugh. We never recovered it either. Rate this. <laughs> give us your fucking five star rate. If you click off at the end of every show, I'm begging you fuckers for a five star iTunes rating so we can recover. Please, from, they only feed me if I get five stars. From that one guy <laughs> who complained about my constant fucks and I don't know, whatever. Anyway. It brought it down the average. Let oh. me enjoy my male childhood power fantasy without all your sexuality like getting in the way of everything no can do buddy you weird immature jokes yeah yeah really let me enjoy this explicit rated show without all of your adult content so what i like about this is they use the same switcheroo and when batman and superman show up at the white house you don't know it's them. They're dressed as Hawkman and Shazam, like basically reporting for duty, checking in with their uh, results of their mission. So I love that. Real quickly, it turns around, and uh, Clark almost kills Luther in this process. And that's uh, a really cool scene. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like Batman's like, mm. this is. I'll let it happen. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> covered up. This is where it gets I don't real. Like <laughs> And then I don't see they kind of got to get pulled out of this just because, you know, he can't kill him for real. And so the way they defuse it is by saying that they got to Toy Man. And above all of this, well, we have to stop the asteroid. So you basically got to let Luther go, which I don't know that you can't like they're not mutually exclusive you can, you can handle both i think but um you can kill him really fast I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah i think at this point they don't have any proof of the things he's done he's still the president i can't do anything yeah short of killing him and, and covering it up <laughs> how did they turn that fight around after getting like punched into the earth and getting lightning bolted they don't explain it they just go hawkman and shazam were distracted by the news Power Girl's tits. Power Girl. <laughs> Actually, you're right. Yeah. I forgot about that massive hole because when they show up, it's super cool and you forget for a second. You're like, but wait a second. They lost. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they put it in the line. They just say they were distracted and we used that moment to beat them. <laughs> Not even shown. Yeah. yeah. Now, when we get to Toy Man, this is where Evan starts to get really excited. This is the, the half and half... <laughs> Batman Superman rocket ship 
made from the metallo alloy. Here's yet another jab at her expense when uh, they ask Toy Man, will it work? And he responds, does Power Girl have big tits? And of course they cut it off, but you know. So so she's really just there for comedic relief, I guess. But yeah, but I laughed. So I laughed too. And then it's a, maybe it's in a later one where he's talking about like he just wants to make out with Starfire. He's yeah, just like the, yes. the immature boy. Yeah, which is us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Evan knows me better than anybody, and he knows that I would never veer into that sort of humor. You know, suggestive content. There is nothing hilarious about a sweet pair of breasts. <laughs> I'm an altar boy. Only business. Yeah. Hey, I keep it this, to myself most of the time. <laughs> for sure. The page with them walking like the... Walking the, the Evangelion catwalk. Toy boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a different version of it, but I like that Ed does some pretty creative stuff with pages rather than panels. And I think it's cool that like in a cartoon where you would see where the background would be one frame and then they would be like traversing this thing and having a conversation. But instead it's like, it's like the same background divided into a couple panels in which they're moving across the walkway and like having a conversation the whole time. It's kind of straightforward, but it's also kind of cool because the background is just fixed. Yeah. And earlier it's when, the good guys show up to the bad guy fight in the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And there's like a two page spread where I know that there's a little dialogue going about kind of some like divide and conquer combat stuff, but Superman kind of takes the high ground and Batman takes the low ground, but there's no panels, but it shows what's the equivalent of like multiple frames in a fight scene. Cause it's like chop this person, kick this person. But again, the background is like fixed and they're just moving like through the page without the division of any panels. Like the scene in Nightfall where Bane throws Batman off the roof and he does his cool gymnastics. Boing, fall. boing, yeah, it boing. Yeah, from thing to thing, but it's all one yeah. shot. Yeah. Not quite as cool as that, but, <laughs> but yeah, comparable. Not as great as his lifeless body being torn to shreds, but, you know. It doesn't have the same emotional impact. Yeah. Yeah. After this, uh, we continue just to get weirder. <laughs> Adam makes a quantum leap into the future. He thought he had died, and he winds up with future Superman, who we met earlier. Whose name does Superman say in that part? <laughs> He's expecting company, but it's not the person he thought it was. Metron or Metrion. He's a new god who sits in the chair and like knows everything. Oh, the anti-apocalypse planet. Gotcha. All the guys from that. He's the, series. What, with the guy who wears like the red and white, like a Kirby character with the jetpack chair action. Or is that somebody different? I don't know. I think Metrion has like dark coloring, but he always just sits in the chair, and the chair goes everywhere. He doesn't move. I sent you that picture of Batman as Metrion. Some part of like the final crisis or infinite crisis thing, mm. Batman gets that power, and it's just oh. that was my thing that I love again. And this story has all that stuff of like really nails the. <laughs> put just a guy in the midst of all this bullshit. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> like, he uh, still is just a guy. <laughs> we have like gods and heroes and Have you seen Deadpool 2? They assemble the X-Force for the first time and they also just have Rob Delaney playing like a dude. He just signed up for the job. <laughs> yeah, he just was looking for a job on Craigslist or something and yeah. I've never seen this Metron guy before, but I like that he's a dude in the chair. In that scene it's like old man 
Superman on a dead planet in a chair waiting for his other chair buddy. So he <laughs> might be sitting together. on the chair. Maybe that's what it is. He's on Metro's oh. chair. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he was startled. He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, I was just, just for a second. I didn't mean to take it. I know. Standing room for everyone else. I know. But again, that's another like, if you don't know who that is, too bad. Yeah. We're not going to dwell on like that. It's like an inside gonna... joke. Like, I don't yeah. even know why it would matter. Yeah. He's just sitting on a chair on the moon or some shit. Howard Richards, is that you? Oh, no, it's not Howard Richards. I'm not going to tell you who Howard Richards is. But... <laughs> Dr. Manhattan? <laughs> Actually, that's one thing that got me with uh, Metallo is they kept alternating between his true name and his rap name. You know, like I kept getting confused. So then Superman kind of fills him in on what's going on, Captain Adam, that is, and sends him back to stop the asteroid, thinking like, okay, I can right this wrong. It doesn't have to end up like this, right? Adam proves this to Batman when he gets back by showing him the kryptonite ring and giving it to him, saying like, yo, I, I got this from the Batcave. He's like, how the fuck would you know? Clark told me from the future. But when he first showed up in the past, that's how Batman was kind of convinced that he was also Superman because he stopped Batman from getting to the ring. To the vault, cause yeah. He knew it was, yeah, because he knew it was there. How would a person, because time and existence is made up of like all these infinite choices that could make like divergent paths and stuff. Future Superman already did all this stuff, but how would future Superman know what the one single catalyst to changing the future was? Because like any of the things that we've seen so far could potentially be some other thing that altered how stuff went, how would he know that? <laughs> I think his idea was just like, I should just kill Batman and Superman. Yeah. <laughs> and then this will never happen. <laughs> yeah. Easiest way out. Yeah, time travel stories generally don't make sense. They're hard on like the, just turn your brain off. Yeah, exactly. Hard on my brains. <laughs> yeah. Suspend yeah. disbelief. I like a lot of stuff. It'll be okay. Hard on my brains. <laughs> Lex has the mech suit that he... Commissioned from Darkseid, apparently. He's a, a costume maker for cosplayers. And, um, Side hustle. Yeah. Turns out that's where he found out about the asteroid, the meteor, whatever you call it. Superman destroys this mech suit in uh, a pretty great fight scene. They wind up switching again right here. And Batman tells Luther that the LexCorp CEO, Talia Head... Uh, has liquidated his assets, and he's basically penniless now, for which Luther stabs him and rubs in his face that Metallo had killed his parents, right? And Bruce is still kind of unsure about this. Like, I think this is just a distraction and, like, some planted evidence shit. But I anyway, I mean, he gets pretty well run through, if I'm remembering that right. I don't understand why they call her Talia Head. Is that originally how she was introduced? And then, like, Batman discovered she was... Ra's al Ghul's daughter. I don't know, because, I mean, the, the demon's head, so translated, that's that'd be her last oh, name, I guess. You I know? guess, yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. In fact, I think at one point I tried to make a rap punchline that said something like, head like Talia or some, some shit like that, and I was like, no one's going to get this. I threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, cool. You could have been like the writers of the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, was, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I see the parallels. Yeah. yeah. Adam stops the meteor. Superman is cleared of his charges, accusations, and Luther is basically presumed dead by the government. That's how we wrap this first story arc here. Initial 
thoughts on that reaction to the first arc? It is too much. They made the right choice to just focus on Batman and Superman. Yeah. So even though there's too much stuff and you don't get enough time with a lot of the beats and like the story elements, you still get to spend time with them in the right way. Yeah. I, I definitely think the second story is the good one or the better one. Yeah, I found myself really struggling to pay any attention to this or to get invested for more than a couple pages at a time and was questioning my memory of this because I've had it for a long time. Then I was going, God, I thought this was going to be a great follow-up to BVS, but like, there's just so much fucking shit going on. Like, where's all the, sh- the cool shit that I remember, right? And uh, when I was halfway through, I took a few days off and was like, I, I'm putting this down. Like, I don't... <laughs> Uh, I wasn't finished this story. I wasn't bought in, you know. Like once once I got to this point and finished that arc, yeah, I think I took the weekend off and picked it up again later. I think some of that is a symptom of this is like a new series, like a monthly or biweekly series. Yeah. And so that I think they just wanted to kick it off with action. Yeah. Batman and Superman fighting a whole bunch of DC characters, get into that, and then save the character stuff for the next story. Yeah, and I think that's probably why I never bought Volume 2 is because it's so kind of just uneven, you know? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, oh, I can't wait to get more of this. It's more like, what is the next one? <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, uh-huh. which direction are we going here? I had the three trades, and I don't remember what the story is after what we read. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's still an ongoing uh, series. It, I'm sure it's rebooted from this, but like... I think it's called Batman Superman rather than Superman Batman. Yeah, because you know he's more famous now. Yeah, he's got to be the marquee name. <laughs> These books too are not really all that related. They're yeah. compiled in a thing, and they kind of continue a storyline, but at the same time, it's they seem like asides from each other. Other than yeah, the trade-off dialogue being consistent throughout the story. Yeah, and really, Jeff Loeb art, like dramatically changes. The story is not the same. The writing stays the same, but otherwise it's like they're totally different. Yeah, Loeb is really the only uh, connective tissue here, and and I kind of wish that they were packaged separately because it doesn't, they don't really make any sense together. I feel like the one I had, they were separate. I thought the Supergirl story was a separate book that I had. Yeah, and that's smaller trades. And that's what I was thinking it was when I was like, okay, we should pick this up. That'd be a good follow up, you know? And I was like, oh. I think it's because this is like the collected edition of. Jeff Love run. Exactly, yeah. Instead of the two separate books. Yeah. On the title. There's an interlude here where Pat Lee and Dreamwave take over the artwork just for, I think, one issue. Yeah. I think it's six, one, and then six. And this is sort of linked to the first arc and really comes back never. Batman and Superman send Superboy and Robin, Tim to kind of befriend Toy Man and recruit him, you know, into the fold. We have this cool shit where there's like the the giant robot guard dog and, you know, Metallo escapes with his new suit and this like ridiculous Transformers Megazord fight in the city that really has almost no connection to anything. But well, Metallo in it's the nuts. first story had a little bit of like depth. He doesn't want to hurt Superman. He doesn't want to kill Superman. He's just trying to get his body back. And then in this, they just completely threw that out the window. Yep. 
And I was like, now that I got my body back, I realized I'm even more fucking crazy than I was before. Yeah. I want to kill everybody. Yeah, I got my body back, but now can I get those powers back? <laughs> like, what? I no. actually felt kind of bad in the first one because he was always trying to explain himself. It kind of got me thinking, like, it's a shame that he's committing these crimes in order to, like, find himself. It got me thinking, like, how big of a deal is it to dig up your own dead body? And, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's I guess, come up in, <laughs> yeah, that often. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I guess, you know, you can't, you shouldn't like break and enter into uh, a laboratory. And maybe these bad guys are going about it the wrong way. But every time he tries to explain himself, somebody just punches him or something anyway. So, yeah. Like, man, I just feel bad for you. That's like a classic Clayface trying to get into the lab or Mr. Freeze trying to get into the lab or one of these yeah. types who is uh, fucked up and trying to reclaim their life but doing so pretty much at any cost, you know? Uh, yeah, so totally. it's It's what makes them uh, humanized characters that you can actually sympathize and, with. And this one shot doesn't have any of that. No. Uh, no. But it's, again, you could extrapolate that from... All the other comics you've read, that's, a, that's, that's bad storytelling. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying See, one you, way or another. You needed to read the entire Bible to get my book. <laughs> so if you haven't read it, you're just not going to get it. That's your fault. See, but my new book, How to Ruin Your Life, <laughs> you don't have no, you to read... You need to read the Bible to understand your you, book, too. You don't have to read 2015's Famous Last Words, okay? Because anytime I mention something from that, I explain it. Now, is your, you your have book... to listen to every episode of this podcast and give us a five star rating. <laughs> yes, that you do have to do. Smash that like button, ring <laughs> that bell, <laughs> hit it, baby. Subscribe. What do you guys want to hear next? Leave a comment yeah. in the space below. <laughs> yeah. You know what I should start well, doing is those the uh, bullshit captions where they're like, "Okay, everybody, who's your favorite Batman?" And that way you get like. 10,000 comments, right? And like everyone sees yeah. your post. It's like, what do you guys think between this Batman and that Batman? Everyone's like, that Batman's fucking stupid. And you're like, Haha, you're just boosting my engagement. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Donuts on wieners or no donuts on wieners? All right. Hit so, us in the comments below. I don't know if we mentioned that part on the air. So, that's going to be the editor's asterisk that, uh, you know, see the off-air, behind-the-scenes yeah, yeah. conversation to get that joke. One asterisk, read the book. Second asterisk, ask Evan or Sam. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is in the book. I forgot. All right, yeah. so the back half, we have uh, another artwork change to uh, Michael Turner and uh, Peter Steigerwald. I, that sounds right, right? Steiger, Steiger? Steigerwald. I don't know. I was calling him Dark Seed forever. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think it's actually Steigerwald. Yeah, you said <laughs> Themyscira earlier, so I'm not listening to you. Um, Themyscira? Uh, th Themyscira? Oh, yeah, you said Themyscira earlier, so I'm not listening to you. What is it? Themyscira. Themyscira, that sounds stupid, too. <laughs> but the letters are in the right order there. <laughs> it's Greek. They're different letters. Oh, gotcha. All right, so what I don't understand about this opening, and you can help me here, why is Clark... Uh, I understand everything, yes. Let me explain to you, <laughs> you, you stupid moron. Future men, smart guy. <laughs> so why is Clark quarantined in the beginning? He's communicating with Batman over radio. They blew up the asteroid, but all the kryptonite still landed on Earth. So he's oh. recruited all the heroes to do a cleanup. Oh, yeah, yeah. Weeks. Okay, yeah. so he's just laying he low was, for he safety. He was told to hang out in the fortress because... 
that stuff could make him sick. So they're going to go round up all these jewels and then he can yeah. come out. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So what I really like here, and I'm sure Evan does too, because this is like the curse of the white knight, Batman scuba diving scene, but it's a big splash page. that's really cool. Finding fragments of the meteor that actually lead to finding a, a Kryptonian ship. He even picks uh, up a little bit of red kryptonite, and they don't explain it. Oh, really? Yeah, there's multicolored kryptonite, and I didn't understand that. Red makes him lose emotional control. <laughs> he just wow. starts weeping. Yeah, yeah. he just pisses, <laughs> like drinks and gambles and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, you're right. I do love a scuba diving treasure hunt. That's you're shot not of wrong. Batman out of the water, kind of like hunched over and attack in defense pose. Yeah. I love yeah. that. that. That thing is fantastic. I remember that when I first read this. I do not like this dude's art, but I like that picture a lot. And I kind of pictured it drawn by other people, but I liked what <laughs> they were presenting anyways. I like Michael Turner's art more than Ed McGuinness's art. So much more. Like, yeah. Michael Turner's art reminds me of like Rob Liefeld, but better. <laughs> or just like, it has that same of like, everything's very exaggerated. And he also reminds me of the, a modern artist that I like a lot, or more modern, that's who I've shared with you before, Kenneth Rockefort, the guy mm-hmm. who stuff like everything is pencils, so it's hard mm-hmm. to tell what's what. But something about it I just really, really like. See, and my thing is when, when this book starts, it is an immediate tonal change visually. And we've talked about when we do older issues like Death in the Family or Nightfall or something like the uber bright kid friendly fun time shit. I ca- I just can't get invested in that. It just seems so dated to me. I and, still like. I think Ed McGinnis's art is great. Yeah, I no, would, he does it very have... well, but I don't relate to it at all. I think the coloring has a lot to do with it because obviously the 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 visual style is a lot different and the faces are more realistic and and that goes a long way, but the coloring is a huge part of it. Like it's a perfect match for Ed McGinnis to have everything just so digitally airbrushed and bright and everything pops really big. But for this to have a little bit more of the, the muted sort of Batman colors that I'm more familiar with, um, mm-hmm. instantly gets me drawn to the next page, you know, mm-hmm. I, even reading the Ed McGinnis stuff, I was like, man, I, I love these colors so much more than even some of the really good books we've read, the modern, more modern books. Mm-hmm. I like the bright colors. I like the super cartoony look. Regardless of who's doing the art, I like those colors. Like anytime they draw space and like purples and blues and a galaxy and all that kind of stuff, it just looks. See, in my favorite books, there is no space. <laughs> 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 but when I texted you guys earlier and I was like, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because I think we're all going to like things about this, but I think we're all going to like very different things about this, you know? You think the breasts are disgusting and just gratuitous, <laughs> and I'm into it. Yeah. Slobbering. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like something I'd say. I'm much more drawn to Ed's solid lines and the solid blacks. The colors could be different, but I like them for what they are. I mean, the fact is I haven't hardly seen them with anybody else coloring them, so I couldn't really say. But I love colors, so that's okay with me. And I really really like solid colors a lot. What do you Uh, want, a black and white? Fuck. (laughs) This is noir edition? Turner's stuff to me looks like like people (laughs) that I knew that were good at drawing in high school and then stayed 
that good. They're like good for an 18 year old and somehow got into the business. Uh-huh. Well, what do you, um, how dare you first? But then <laughs> second, what, <laughs> what is the, what are the things he could like dial up to hit the next level? It's just a style choice. I mean, and that's why I can't really knock, I can't really make comparisons, you know, to say that he should do something else would just mean that he wasn't him and he was somebody else. Mm -hmm. I'm not attracted to those like super thin lines all over the place. Somebody else could do like the sketchy, loose style better than him. You wish he had a more, the lines are more bold or like, I'm just trying to think of what, how could he retain what makes him him, but make you like him more? I think some line weight contrast would actually help if stuff was like a little more defined. If if some some stuff was a little more bold, like exterior lines, boundary lines, thicker, detail lines, thinner. Whereas all of his stuff is thin. And to me, like I can't be fooled by people who are like, this hatching and cross hatching makes it extra detailed and extra realistic. Like no, that's just a that's just a style of drawing. That's just a trick. You know, it doesn't make it more human or anything to me. Mm. And I'm okay with some of this stuff. Like his male anatomy is fine. His lady drawings look too much like '90s guys who hadn't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah, you guys are like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> but I can't get behind it. Well, yeah, uh, I, I totally get that because the issue I have with it, as much as I love the facial expressions and being more in line with the overall style that mm-hmm. draws me in, it's a ridiculous anorexic elongated torso shit that is really strange on the wider shots like all the close-ups are gorgeous and i i love the character designs but as you pull back or like when you see supergirl standing in front of dark side yeah dark side the contrast between the two of them is ridiculous but i think you could take his lady designs his female characters and just put a hand on each side and just stretch them horizontally a little bit yeah and it would still look really cool and also a little more realistic because they wouldn't be so disproportionate. Yeah, I mean, Ev's right. It is just a little bit of a kind of a relic of a former time when proportions and things didn't matter as much. And or, or they were just like very unrealistic in that way. It's just stylized. Yeah. Yeah. That's my only problem is like, I want to think that it's a style thing and yet... <laughs> you think he just doesn't know what a woman's body looks like? I mean, just not like he's not that good. This is another Tim Sale episode where Ev goes oh, yeah. off. Let like, it finish, Sam. Shut up. Art, art is one of those places, like visual art is one of those places where you get a pass because you can chalk it up to stuff like that. You couldn't be a professional basketball player and be like, I'm just as, I mean, like if you suck, you couldn't be like, it's that I have style. And so therefore, I, I miss all my threes because it's just the way I shoot. Yeah, but that's <laughs> just the way I flick it, baby. <laughs> You can't compete. You can't stand up with these other people. And same thing with music. Like, you can't really compare people who totally suck to people who are good at it. It's very obvious. But visual art gets kind of one of those, like, well, you know, you're going to like it or you're not going to like it. It's just my style. Well, you make the comparison to music, and I think that's a good comparison because I think you're right, but I don't think it's so cut and dry. I think there's a point, and sometimes it's just based on, like, success. Like, this person's professional, so it must be good and just you don't like it. There's a point where it's like a gray area in the middle where a lot of people could look at a thing and go, like, that's just bad. And other people could look at it and go, that's not bad. That's just an intentional style choice. And Mm -hmm. one of them is probably right, but you'll never know because the artist will always say, 
yeah, that's a choice I made. Yeah, not, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. How yeah. to it's do like it saying Nirvana isn't talented because they like noisy, sloppy, or something. You know, like you can like Dream Theater and Nirvana. But there are yeah. a bunch of terrible garage bands that you can listen to and go like, they don't know. But that's a bad knockoff. <laughs> they don't know proportional shoulder to waist ratio. They yeah, <laughs> fundamentally cannot put that on a page. They don't understand. Listen, it. At the end of the day, I know that this is just style choice and personal preference because. As long as I'm drawn, I've never drawn a completed page worth of telling a story. So, mm. dude is doing things that I've never done. Some people like it. Okay. I just... <laughs> it's just not super my bag. But one thing I do like, though, is his take on Batman sometimes. I like the long ears. Looks cool with his art style. And one thing where he draws Batman just kind of standing up, totally covered in his cape. I mean, some of it is tight. This shot, I have a a statue of this exact panel. Nice. And, you know, some parts of it are really cool. Like, the wispy lines are very... um, He's got, like, a Norm Brayfogel capes and shit where they're just sprawling. Yeah. Some of it is kind of like McFarlane or, like, Hulo-esque, you know, and and that's cool. But the parts I like about his Batman shots are when he's, like, totally covered in his cape, and his cape is extra long. Yeah. And so he kind of, like, he's, like, wide shoulders tapers in and then the cape is touching the ground and then it goes back out it almost gets a little um not tim burton style but tim burton drawing style where yeah for some reason batman Gothic. is like seven feet tall yeah exactly uh-huh. and he, uh-huh. he, or he even kind of like it'll be a profile and he's like sort of hunching forward or something because he has like weird curvy ghoulie shoulders <laughs> <laughs> That's so you love Michael Turner's art. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Back to the story. The Kryptonian ship there is obviously home to uh, Kara, Supergirl. The naked girl emerges and has this sort of uh, street fight for clothing like Terminator 1. Yeah. She and speaks in wingdings. Yeah. I love the uh, dialogue there where they don't bother to subtitle it or translate it or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... You know, she's saying some wild shit, and they're like, what the fuck is this? Bam, 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 you know. Is this another one of those scenarios where the authors are like, well, if you knew Kryptonian, you'd know exactly <laughs> what was going some, on. Some true fans are at home with their Kryptonian to English yeah. dictionary. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I speak Klingon, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but she ends up being surprised by her powers and accidentally, like, torching one of those blimps in the sky. The and guy's never going to be able to use those fingers again. Oh, yeah. She completely Crush. shattered his... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's definitely not going to draw again. <laughs> Crush him like hot dogs. <laughs> when Superman does show up again out of exile to save everybody from this flaming blimp descending onto the city... Automated dirigible. It's a Zeppelin. But Batman says, and in a single moment, he shows us again why he sets the standard for so many. And I just love that little bit of reverence that they continue to sprinkle through the story. Actually, that part is funny because earlier on, Batman is like, Superman, shut up, stay home, get off the comms, don't talk to me. Yeah. And then when the, when the Zeppelin is burning, he's like, Never mind. Superman, are you still there? He's like, Yeah, I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here the whole time. What's up? But that's, that's exactly Zeppelin, like, fired, I'll get that. that's like Carrie Kelly, though. You know, it's like, Stay here, touch nothing, or you're fired. You know, and like, mm-hmm. happens four times in a row where she doesn't do it. Am I fired? No. <laughs> I'll call Lois. That's low. 
Gonna call my wife. <laughs> Rocketeer has a good Zeppelin battle, doesn't it? Yeah, the final scene is something with yeah. Zeppelin crashing yeah. into the Hollywood Land sign. Man, I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. Man. That was a banger for the nineties. The guy, I think he you did probably look that up. The first Captain America. I think I just like the helmet. Yeah, the helmet's cool, I, but I mean, it has the same vibe as Captain America: First Avenger. I, yeah, little Indiana Jones. I have a special place in my heart for my childhood for the Rocketeer and the Phantom movie. Mm. The Phantom is the one with Billy Zane? Yes. You say the Phantom, and I just picture the one with uh, Alec Baldwin. Oh, yeah. The Shadow. <laughs> the Shadow. Oh, I haven't seen that. I thought you were talking about the Phantom Menace. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of that, too. I thought you were talking about that movie where Swayze is behind the lady and they make the pottery together. Yeah, and where, like, <laughs> yeah, when, when you take off the mask, it's Andrea Beaumont. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. The orgasm. <laughs> oh, with uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yes. Uh huh. With the superheroes. Dodgeball. Yeah. And the the book of Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's funny you mentioned Phantom Menace though, because in a week or two, when we talk about Justice League, I was thinking about Phantom Menace when we were watching that visually. But I'll yeah. save that for a week or two when we get together. Yeah, when we oh. get together, thirty minutes from now, and talk about yeah. that movie. That's funny that you say that because that was kind of also in my brain. <laughs> Unagi. <laughs> All right. So uh, Batman uses kryptonite to subdue Kara and take her back to the Batcave. She awakens in a panic, Wolverine to Jean Grey, sort of. And Clark speaks to her in Kryptonian. And then they turn around and be like, holy shit, we're cousins. You know, Batman basically from hearing that is skeptical of her origins the entire time it's like all right clark is alone he has no real biological family bruce knows that feeling all too well he's like i was just manipulated in this way like something just fell for that something's wrong here so right out of the gate he's already overanalyzing everything in his head something about the way they pull it off doesn't bother me but this book has a lot of telling and not showing kind of stuff. Mm. Or like when Kara will be talking to Clark, you're like, why doesn't that guy like me? What's wrong with him? He's kind of a jerk. Yeah. He's always mistrusting me. I'm like, he just met you the last page we saw. Yeah. I get maybe some other stuff happened, but we didn't get to see any of that. Oh, you're talking about though, when they're like out shopping and shit like that. Cause they do mention they just, that that's some time past. Yeah. But they just, they don't give you a lot of that. And that's, and that's kind of the same as that. The first chunk of the story, not as bad, but it just, this book could use a little more time yeah. with like human stuff or emotional things or people uh-huh. talking to each other. Yeah, for sure. But that's boring. I, we want punching. Yeah. I think it's that part where Kara is wearing clothes for the first time. And yeah. Her shirt is like, it's like a onesie pajama top without legs, but it, then it's like tucked into her jean pants and it like shows her hips or something. It's, yeah, it's, it's too much. Low-rise jeans with a one-piece swimsuit on underneath. Yeah, it's like, really yeah. dumb to me. Or, or when they go out in public and her, her outfit is... That's a bodysuit. That's an actual but, thing that women but, wear, though. Again, Lois went out and bought her those clothes. <laughs> oh, this teenage girl just got here. I know just the clothes. Yeah, this stylish uh, as fuck. One-piece racing swimsuit with low-rise <laughs> jeans. And then she'll go out in public and I'll get her a uh, ultra crop top with a thong and some more low-rise jeans. Yeah, that's, that's all I could think, like, between the way that I was feeling about dudes' art already and stuff, was like, 
What is okay. Think about the era though. Think about what people dressed like in the early 2000s like what was cool. You got the Britney it's, Spears like show everything but pubes. I mean it was low as you could go. Some some people dress like that and look like that, but you still have to balance it with that. It's like a dude came up with this. Oh, for and, sure. And I, I'm, I'm torn because like part of me is like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. I think it's great. But then a smarter part of me is like, but it doesn't make sense. It's a weird choice. It's clearly just for me to go like, yeah, that's fucking hot. I mean, it's stupid, but it, I'm just saying it's rooted also in stupid that was popular at that time. I'm talking about magazine covers. I'm not talking about fucking... <laughs> Girls in school and shit. I was homeschooled. My mom didn't dress like that. So I could tell. I hear you. Yeah, that makes sense. Mostly it just struck me as a dude with art that I didn't super love drawing women in a weird way. Yeah. And then extra showing them. And like the way that we talk about, uh, does this person just not understand? You know, like Miller in his anatomy or something like this. <laughs> yeah. or, or with his like female characters. Like that's how it's... This isn't cool or edgy or anything. It's like, I think that there's like sexuality done better in some scenarios. And this is like sexuality done poorly to me. I don't care for it. I think that there's I something that, that I do think it is an era thing. Partially like it is a symptom of <gasps> that style of artwork. I'm with you in that there is a gray area when you have a sexualized character, like a Catwoman or something like that. I, I think of this sometimes when I'm watching a, a movie, if they show a female murder victim or something like this, and she's been horribly you know, hurt in some way, but they've got her sprawled out all naked in this weird voyeuristic way too for the camera. It's like, why are you showing it like this? This is well, gross. There can, still, there you can know? still be a reason uh -huh. for that or the way the camera lingers on a body or something like that. If it, the point of it is to show you how the people there are looking at her or something like that, there, there can be a point to that. But yeah, it's when it's the there point can, the but I mean, to like go like, yeah. If you want to tie back to like season one of the Bat Fanatic podcast, you know, what is that? Dick Donner did that in Lethal Weapon. There's a, a girl in, it's, I think it's the second one where in the beginning, there's a girl who's like naked in her penthouse whatever and they're super sexualizing this girl and then she winds up as like jumping off the balcony and you know dead on the ground it was like none of this needed to be there right like you uh -huh. should be creating a sympathetic character here but you're just like yeah but she has nice tits right like just pure objectification and, and it sort of happens in this too later like we show kara is at one point or no maybe it's um Harbinger. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe it's Harbinger, but when when they pick up her body, right? Because they're wearing these skin tight, revealing costumes or whatever, it's still just like the same amount of sexiness, but in an unconscious dead body. It's just so. It's it always feels perverse to me. I, just, I wouldn't go so far as to say it feels perverse, but maybe that's because I'm a fucking weirdo. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just, it's like this stuff the media we consume the visual media but especially like comic books in the 90s but all of it it has it's a slave to two purposes it, it both is trying to tell a story or you know to to make some kind of point but it also is trying to bring in as many viewers as possible and so whether it's a comic book or it's lethal weapon or something like that 
inserting inappropriate or like tone deaf sexuality, yeah, even if it undermines the story, it still pulls in viewers. Yeah. And that you're never going to get away from that in any kind of mass media. I mean, media in general, but especially mass media. It's why actors are better looking than the rest of us. And we've talked about that. Like, I don't mind the fact that, you know, we're looking at people who are more powerful and skilled and attractive and all these things. And you could put these people in sexy situations and I'm all for it, you know. But there's there's just a really weird line they cross sometimes when people are actually like injured, wounded, dying, you know, that's like, oh, gross. Yes, you're right. But I think it's a symptom too of like, when you bring up Harbinger, that's a perfect example because they come back to her death later when Kara goes to her memorial. It's like, you were my great friend. Yeah. And it's like the story didn't give us any of that. Yeah. They gave us like tiny little bits of them together, but that would have been a great time to have them like earlier in the story, have them talking and relating about stuff for more than a page. Yeah. Actually show the connection between them both. So you get where Kara is coming from, but also as the reader, so that you actually care when she died. Yeah, and it's it's sort of a, another one of those where they, they sort of mention that she's been in Themyscira for a while and that she's been looking out for her, but, like, they again, they don't show you any of that. Well, and maybe that's another one where you're like, yeah, but if you had been reading the Harbinger comics for the last 20 years, <laughs> you'd care. You're just a bad fan. You don't support us enough. But, yeah, but, I really could have used a montage of, like, sexy girl stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it could have been them sitting around a table with the camera at face height, not showing any other part of the body, whatever, some kind of human moments between them to make us care. But this story, they kill off tons of people yeah. or seemingly kill them off and there's no weight to it. Yeah. But it's not as bad as Batman versus Superman. Fuck they you. They killed off Superman and I didn't give a shit. Shut up. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of engagement, uh, <laughs> fellow listeners, uh, you know, uh, which, uh, which outfit do you like better? <laughs> Inverted top into the jeans, uh, Kara, or do you like G-string Supergirl uh, suit, Kara? Let us know. I will. Also, I would have thought that was a fluke, but she's the one who gets the double treatment, and I'm pretty sure that Martha was supposed to have made that Supergirl G-string equipped suit for her. She did, yeah. Super hot. Wait, the Supergirl costume has a G-string too? I don't remember that. Yeah, it's, it's like the opposite. Like, oh. <laughs> the first one is like a top that tucks into the pants that shows the hips, and then the Supergirl's shirt is like shows the entire belly, it's and a crop top. her underpants are above her belt line. Like a real superhero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Superheroes don't make good costume choices, or people don't make them for them. That's that's true, true to superheroes. The underwear they is always a thing. Guards, they wear the underpants <laughs> on the outside. Yeah. It's funny, we had already picked this, but then they showed a new trailer for the Snyder Cut, and they're, they're showing Darkseid and his minions or whatever, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, they got granny goodness. And I'm like, what was that one fucking book where I even read her? So I was like, this is so fucking out there for me. Like, I can't. And then a week later, I'm reading this going, oh, yeah, this is where I know her from. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Like, yeah, I did that intentionally, yeah. You curate this thing so well. I know. Thank you for guiding us on this journey. So Darkseid does show up. There is this audition. Darkseed? Yeah. Yeah, he's Johnny Appleseed of Darkness. Um, <laughs> they set up this uh, warrior audition, this gladiator fight, trying to recruit more people to take out this uh, new Kryptonian visitor. And No, they're trying to. They want a new big barda. They want a new head of the Royal Guard. Yeah. Did you even read this? Yeah, but he says... Bring no, me the Kryptonian. He, once 
all the others have been failures, so he wants her to be the head of his royal guard. That's what the point of that is. Well, I'm out. You guys take over. <laughs> anyway, that scene is really short, kind of like the first arc was, but it does do something, and it, it kind of like when they introduce a villain, right? And they just show him do something horrible that's unrelated, just so you know how bad of a person he is. I mean, we get to see the Furies really fuck this lady up. It really shows their lethality and their frivolousness about death and, and just kind of shows that they're a worthy threat, you know? They're bad. Yeah. When I was looking at this fight, I was thinking about another incredibly good fight, and that was the animal transformation fight in... <laughs> the turtles? Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yes. Like, I was thinking of an arena. Like, ah, it's, it's on par. It's equal as <laughs> So we already kind of talked about the uh, Holiday Nights Wonder Woman movie shopping sequence in Metropolis, but um, Clark explains their secret identities. You know, they see this big statue of Superman because she's kind of questioning, like, why, why don't people notice you all the time? And then they come up to this big statue and she's like, oh my God, that, this is how they see you. You're some God figure to them. Like they, they would never see themselves in you, you know. At the same time, she has just learned English, but already has all of the like current, you know, kind of valley girl slang going on too, which, oh my, oh my God. And, you know. Cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Which uh, is funny. I, I wish she would have had a little more of an awkward, stunted stumbling over the language in a traditional sense uh, way. But. Check out my underpants. They're so hot right now. <laughs> yeah. Your wife picked these out for me, so I assume this is the way people dress. <laughs> How does Lois dress in this universe? She dresses like she's in the 80s. Doesn't she have like a pants suits or some kind of like big shouldered uh, dress suit? Yeah, like Sally Jesse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, what was the fake name they used in uh, Nightfall? Oh, for the Television personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Sandy. Now. It was a three-part. Bottoms. Thing. Sandy Bottoms. Yeah, there you go. This part has one of my favorite Batman lines, and it made me think of you also, Sam. Another one of you being Batman things. Oh, cool. And because the, because the ambush action is going to happen when they're in the park. Yeah. And Batman's hiding in a tree, and he says, I hate Metropolis. Trees. Lights. <laughs> yeah i mean i definitely spend a lot of time indoors with the lights off that's true yeah hard to get anything done out here with all these lights and trees yeah, yeah. you know one of the nice things about staying up real late is that nobody bothers you your phone doesn't do stuff really at night it's it's nice you can just exist without all the people you know just put your phone somewhere else i hate you guys is what i'm saying you are always contacting me with stuff I yeah. never have anything to say to anyone. I like Batman. I don't like you. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of my thong, though? I'm trying to... You, yeah, <laughs> you are just a catalyst for me to talk about that. I like the blue and red. That looks good on you. Quit playing on my phone. You guys wish this was video. So, um, when they're in Themyscira and they're training Kara with the Amazons... Um, Clark is resisting this, you know, every step of the way. He doesn't want this. You know, we had the scene where Diana and Artemis and everybody, they do this surprise attack, and basically that's the cliffhanger of, like, 
Kara is taken, right? But we find out she was just taken there. She's going to be trained. She's going to be safe. And um, that's th- another like batshit comic book thing of like, just talk. Yeah. Maybe yeah. don't attack. Just like stop for a second and talk. But then we realize that this was actually orchestrated by Bruce because he wanted to know not only how she would react, but he's concerned about Clark's state of mind and wants to know how he would react as well. To me, the book wasn't clear if that's what he orchestrated or if he orchestrated the Artemis holding the sword up to kill Kara in their training. This is Superman talking, and he says, what is it the two of you expect me to say? That I'm all right with Diana ambushing Kara and me in in Metropolis? Or that you, Bruce, cooked up the plan to make it look like an attack as some kind of test to see what she would do? Not just what she would do, but what you would do as well is what Batman responds with. It was definitely him doing some some Batman shit of like, Clark knows he's being followed by Batman, but what he doesn't know is the true extent of why. Batman has trust issues. Yeah, he does. This is, again, what we mentioned earlier. He, he says, I had a lead on who killed my parents. Wasn't it you who warned me that that could be planted, you know, that I could be manipulated? I do like those threads continuing from the first arc. That's really the only connective tissue they have. Just the, the, the relationship between the two of them throughout the whole story, both stories. Both yeah. the reverence for each other, but also like that they know each other. They can see each other's blind spots. Yeah. There's sort of a brotherly um, disharmony between them, you know, that, mm-hmm. that they, they love each other, they have all this experience, but they do butt heads. They respect each other. Yeah. Then Doomsday shows up, <laughs> which... Oh, he does show up. I thought you were just mixing up the names again. Yeah. No. Right. He's in this also. Yeah, it's like, it's like Batman versus Superman. Out of nowhere, Doomsday shows up. Then a whole army of Doomsdays show up, and we get this crazy, like, Infinity War endgame sort of <laughs> crazy CGI fight of just armies attacking and uh it is quickly ended when they realize that they're not living clones but they are animates which again i don't really know what the fuck that is but superman gives them the heat vision and just kind of nukes everyone which i don't know why they would be a threat in the first place i mean they're fighting him punching him and whatever but supposedly one blast can take him out i don't know it looked cool i thought that was whack at first in the way that we talk about people who were previously strong heroes or villains yeah. turned into like B grade villains and doomsday previously killed Superman. Like that's Alone. stupid to me. Yeah. So that seemed dumb. But then as soon as they were talking about how there are these creations that don't, they're not actually, I don't know what they're made of stone or some sort of, like, they're like a crouton. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But as soon as they're chalking it off to them being, I just accepted it sort of at that point. Like they're not as strong as, they're not actually Doomsday. They look like Doomsday. The book doesn't make that argument very well, but I think that's what you're supposed to take from it. Yeah, it's just like, okay. Because it's not like when he was fighting Doomsday the first time, he was like, this is a guy, I can't kill him with my laser eyes. Yeah. He was trying to, he just couldn't because Doomsday was strong. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know why these would even look like Doomsday if they weren't going to actually be like Doomsday level villains. You could have just made like some rando monster Michael characters. Turner wanted to draw Doomsday. And the gigantic fucking two page 
Superman heat vision shot is so badass. Like none of the lack of logic or stakes in this particular scene bothered me because it wasn't like 10 random characters that I had to be like, wait, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? It was just like, oh, here's Doomsday. Oh, here's an army of Doomsdays. You're like, well, that's stupid, but holy shit, it looks cool. It's always good to have an excuse for these characters to do whatever they want without consequence too. Yeah. Because Superman's constantly restraining himself or he's punching things that are also strong so you don't ever get to see him like turn somebody's head into jello or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of nice to be able to see these characters just like go ham on a, on a horde of villains and have it be totally good. Like, cool, just nuke those guys. I don't care. Yeah. Laser none, of, none of us could have done that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. None of us other god heroes could have done that. Yes, I don't have laser beam eyes. <laughs> So here's where they find um, Harbinger's uh, perfect tits dead in the water. <laughs> dead titties. And they realize Kara is gone. The fake doomsdays were just a diversion to scare the shit out of him. And, because uh, he draws women the same. I couldn't tell who that was. I thought it was Kara yeah, at first. Me too. Me too. That's job, not great. Turner, you kick butt at drawing stuff. <laughs> That's not great. Yeah. But if it was, if it was a big naked black-haired guy carrying another big naked black-haired guy to be like is superman carrying batman or is batman carrying superman yeah I, <laughs> I think part of it is that they are all with the amazons right now and everyone is dressed very similarly i think that's part of it but yeah. it still doesn't play very well they all look the same power girl is the only one who's different and it's because she has bigger breasts it's like yeah, literally the only thing that sets her apart <laughs> Well, yeah, and then, and then after sad. this, they go to Barda, who is like just getting out of the shower and wearing a towel, and you know, just like. Yeah. And I take that back because she's also different, but it's just because she's taller. That's the difference with her character design. Oh man! Yeah, she's shower towel girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I like that part actually. How Batman is like sneaking around her living room and finding the secret compartments. <laughs> That's like, Scott one, stuff. Yeah. Ever the detective. How did you find? Bad house guest. Yeah. <laughs> I like that scene because it has Barda standing up to Superman. Like, I'm not going to do what you want. Yeah. And Superman yeah. feels the need to float off of the ground so that he can be eye to eye with her. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, okay. Barda uses her mother box and her boom tube, which is not a metaphor, to take them to Apocalypse. So they bring the fight to Dark Side, right? We basically have almost like we had at Three Jokers where each of the heroes is kind of fractioned off in their own little fights. Diana and Barda are ambushed by Granny and the Furies. And Batman is chased by demon dogs. That's neat. Is this the beginning of Dark Knight's Metal? All these guys are in that too. I know. And Cal finds Kara with Darkseid. But she fights him on sight and so uh it's definitely not a normal mario saving the princess but like she's that, she's fucked up that has she been for- seduced by the dark side oh yes <laughs> oh. <laughs> fuck uh. around <laughs> oh i gotta go um, <laughs> oh, God. that, that shot in particular when he shows up in the throne room that was the most like okay this is a little over sexualized when he shows up to greet her, it's almost like the Batman, um, Kelly Jones, whoever that is, like style, like sitting on the throne. But then yeah. Kara is standing in front of Dark Side. She's standing with her back 
to Superman, and then she's like kind of looking over her shoulder, and the camera's at a low angle, so it's just like a sexy butt shot of her. <laughs> and then, but if you if you were to like take it away from comics for a moment and like just picture her standing there like that, it makes no sense whatsoever. Well, and that's the cliffhanger. So if you look at the the page, the people at home can't see this, but if you look at the page that ends the issue. It looks like she's on one of those medieval torture devices that stretches your body. Um, I mean, it's like... The, the racks. I mean, some of it is the contrast because Dark Seed is, is gigantic. I, yeah, I know, but like she has like four-foot legs, a three-foot abdomen, and then, and then everything from tits up is normal. But, but it's either a page or two before that or after. Find the one where... The butt? In the actual story, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is right yeah. before that where... That's a ridiculous. The booty shot. Superman, I had no idea. The booty shot. But I will say that I actually think her apocalypse suit is cooler than her regular suit that she ends up with in the in the ending. I I think, like, like, aside from the proportions, I think she looks pretty badass in that suit. And and like, you know, whenever you get like a mean Superman. For a minute, you know, we're getting that with her, and I that's pretty fucking cool. Like when she's holding up Cow by his throat, and it just I do like the dark side supergirl. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up on you. Um, <laughs> you know the way that when cats are licking their bellies, they're not really sitting on their butt. They're like there's <laughs> yeah. like some way further up on their spine, they're, and somehow they're sitting on their spine. They're jelly. Yeah. That's how Darkseid is sitting in his throat. <laughs> he's sitting in the middle of his back. Licking that's his belly. Yeah, he's, that's he's how sitting I sit. in the middle of his spine, licking his belly. Yeah, that's one of those like getting older moments where I was like brushing my teeth in the mirror a day or two ago. And I was like, man, if I just stood up like a normal person, I wouldn't feel so fat. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd still look, you'd probably look fatter, but you wouldn't feel so fat. <laughs> Posture has a lot to do with belly protrusion, though. Yeah. That is a fact. Yeah, yeah. I just noticed that. <laughs> fun fun aside there. That was neat. Um, so Diana gets the drop on Granny. They have this sort of Mexican standoff moment where Barda's going to get decapitated. They've captured her, right? And she's like, fuck that. I'm going down. Diana, do what you got to do. Don't give in, right? And so she takes the lasso to Granny's neck. And uh, I, I like how this is ramping up already. I don't like old ladies either. Yeah, exactly. Kind of <laughs> unless they're properly proportioned, then you're down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had a granny with a hot long torso, then you know that's different. Granny pants, <laughs> three to one ratio, <laughs> height to width. Yeah, I do think it deserves mention in that scene you just said where Wonder Woman has got the lasso around Granny Goodness because Barda has also taken out her two captors by flipping her head back and stabbing the both of them with the horns of her helmet. And it's not really like in focus in the scene, but that's a really, really cool move. Holy shit! I didn't even see that because it's in the yeah. background. She just she's both she's impaled both of them with her helmet. That is badass. If Granny Goodness's last name was Allen, then she would be Gigi Allen. <laughs> <laughs> she's about as redeemable as him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's just upset now, but I mean, we we get this like. Crazy dark phoenix fire shit with uh, Kara that's just so badass, and everyone's kind of ramping up at the same time. Cal ends up using kryptonite to actually take her down, which is great. Like they show that he has this secret lead line compartment in his belt, like Batman would. 
it's a little crazy that if the meteor coming near our atmosphere affected his powers in the earlier issues, that having it always on him just because of lead wouldn't. But um, it's almost like this doesn't make sense. Yeah, none of this makes sense. But again, these are the thoughts that come to your mind, and you just let them pass. Batman's flying around on that standing jetpack thing, and then also fighting with like alien forearm weapons. And I was like, well, the guys would just tell me that Batman is the best at everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you figured it out. Well, I think it was in this where earlier, I think it's Cal's inner monologue where he says something like, Batman wielding an axe might seem foreign, but you have to remember he's a martial arts expert who's trained in every weapon and every style too. So like Uh you'd see Batman with it and it seems weird, but you forget Bruce's background was to train in all these forms. I actually thought the axe thing was cool. Yeah. I liked the axe more than I liked the fighting with the alien weapons. The fucking Giger style Wolverine arms. Super gloves. But that scene is amazing because he steps toe to toe with Darkseid and you're like, well, how the fuck is this going to play out, right? What? Like, you take the most mortal, weakest physical opponent and, and put him in that situation, and he just outplays his hand. Which I think is weird. I like it, but it's weird because this is like, this is early 2000s. This is Batman as Batman. This isn't like, yeah. he's just been deconstructed or this is like alternate universe. This is Batman. He was willing to kill a planet's worth of people just that—that that was like his gamble that he was going to do for the girl that he doesn't really like. Yeah, <laughs> that was his, that was his move, <laughs> and I'm okay with it. But it is like very out of character. It, it isn't. It isn't because you don't. It is. Well, yeah, but you don't know that he would have done that either. Like he's—that's no, the whole reason it works. Is it's Dark, leverage. Darkseid's like, yeah, if anyone else did it, I would just say they're bluffing. But you're nuts. So <laughs> okay, I promise I'll stay away. Yeah, I'm to believe that. Apocalypse has no trees or anything like that, but produces an atmosphere that everybody can breathe. <laughs> it's another dimension. They got all that fire everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> fire couldn't exist without If oxygen. you had read Metreon Adventures number 67, yeah. they explained oh. the atmosphere. All of our questions apparently just never entered the fold. It's like I was talking to Ev about that Schumacher defense video that came out on youtube yesterday it's like a 45 minute documentary and nicole kidman was like okay so i just don't understand so i am this clinical psychologist and i am blah 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 so like why am i wearing lingerie on a rooftop and he's (laughs) and he goes it's comic books you got to put all that logic out the window this is heightened reality right and i was like see and that's why i have such a hard time with those fucking movies but it's the same thing happening here they're like look you are thinking too much about this. Enjoy the ride. You're wrong. You're fundamentally wrong and you're a bad person. And you need to think about what you've done. No, it's that that's true. And I did enjoy the ride with this book, this story. I liked it. But you can use that excuse for anything. Like, this doesn't make sense and that seems kind of stupid. You don't understand. It's heightened reality. Yeah. It's not supposed to make sense. Like, well, you could use that argument for anything. And we fought on that, too, because there's been times where you go, dude, it's a comic book movie. And I'm like, fuck, they explain everything else. But usually I'm saying that ironically because I don't think that's a fair uh, thing. It could be so cool yeah. that it works. And so that's why I kind of think this falls under that, like Batman threatening to kill a whole planet. It's yeah. pretty cool, so I'm okay <laughs> with it. Genocide um, is but awesome. You but you have to acknowledge that it doesn't make any sense yeah. for the character. 
really all we get is that excellent payoff of of Darkseid literally saying, well played. I mean, it's so badass that it kind of doesn't matter. I'm going to go pout in the corner, Batman. (laughs) I'm not generally in the habit of coming down on myself, but when I'm reading this stuff, and anytime I have what I think is a smart thought, I just tell myself that I'm too stupid to understand it, and then I just move on from there. It doesn't make any sense because I'm impossible. (laughs) No, yeah, I just couldn't possibly grasp it, and then I just move on. Like it's fine. I can, yeah, I accept things through that way. You just give give them a pass on everything. Yeah, like no, it must be me. I'm just dumb. (laughs) I gotta go. All right. So the epilogue is that the Trinity returns to Themyscira, everyone intact. Cal takes Kara home to Smallville. And as they enter his uh, parents' house, Darkseid is waiting and lunges through the door. And as he is about to give the Omega Blast to Superman, Kara flies in the way, produces the human shield, and just disintegrates, evaporates. We get the amazing Superman freakout where he goes on this monologue as he's basically punching Darkseid into the sun and then fucking captures him, imprisons him in the the final barrier, which is some DC space he, he, shit that I don't yeah, understand. He sends him to the source wall, yeah. which is another great... We're not going to explain any of this. Yeah. It just, yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. I, I love know, that shot, know, I, guess. The way that, I love the source wall, like the guys into it. That looks really cool. Yeah. I like that part a lot, too. I like the scale, because One Piece does a lot of stuff like that, where there's just really tall human characters and stuff. Like... These villains are ten feet tall humans, and so that's how that wall struck me. Like because Darkseid is a good dude, but then he gets pinned to the wall next to these things. They're like, I guess they're not even giants. They're like demi giants or something. <laughs> they're, they're all thirteen he, feet tall. He gets pinned to what I think is the face of another person. Like just <laughs> yeah, his like, face is. Big it's like enough. Pinocchio's nose, and he just yeah. gets impaled. Becomes like a human centipede thing. Oh yeah. But yeah, that scene is awesome, and just his whole rant while he's kicking the shit out of him, going like, you know, she's going to miss her first prom, and she's going to miss going to the movies with her friends, and just like, I love his whole tirade there. Hitting a home run. Yeah, because she's stronger than everyone on her team. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to miss just completely beating everyone at every sport and never having any challenge. And then because there were questionable moments earlier where we talked about like no stakes and kind of just rushing through shit, this is victim of that in that we find out Kara faked her own death, used the boom tube to uh, set this up and replace her with these ashes. And it says that not even Batman, but Superman knew the dark side wouldn't like, okay, I'll give you a pass. You guys win. Stick to his promise. That's not his thing. Yeah, he's, he's not, not going to, you know, he's going to be a sore loser, basically. And so he saw this coming and, and made this arrangement. She, in the last shot, you know, flies away with him as Supergirl. She, she talks to the many, many, many side characters there that have all gathered and, and says like, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is what I'm meant to do. I actually found that pretty effective. Given the whole thing, this is a good ending for me. Yeah, I agree. It felt like the ending to a bigger story about her. Yeah, yeah. Even though we didn't get much of her necessarily, if there was like a Supergirl that came after this that's directly connected, and maybe there is, I would read that, actually. 
Especially if it was drawn by Michael Turner. Yeah. <laughs> I started watching the show yeah, again after this, actually. I started watching the Melissa Benoist show just because I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I started that and it was lame. But now I just want more Supergirl, so I'm going to watch it anyway. Yeah, I've read some Supergirl stories that come after this. They're pretty good. Nice. I like the character because it's the same as like the Batgirl stuff or anyone who like directly steals their gimmick or is derived from another character. Yeah. It's done well. I think it's neat. Yeah. I like Venom because he's like bad Spider-Man. He's got a spider on his chest. (laughs) In the memorial scene, there's at least one panel where I know what they're trying to show is it's like Batman's talking to Kara and there's a panel where he's got like stitches on his face. Because they just got done with oh, yeah. some other other planetary battle, and all I could think of was our previous conversation based on three jokers about <laughs> like wouldn't any part of your body have hella scars on it? So this is proposing that you have like Joker level stitches on your face and that you <laughs> can not be masked at any other point. Bruce Wayne looks like Heath Ledger. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had that thought when I read this, and I was like, oh, it's because they're like magic space stitches, and they'll use their <laughs> Shazam healing magic to, uh, you know, beautiful skin like, it up afterwards. They'll explain oh, it. Oh, yeah, damn. You know. Should I have just told, my, should I have told myself that I was stupid? <laughs> yes, I thought about that. You could have got right yeah. out of that problem. Sometimes I can't tell. So but, you like, know, oh, yeah, yeah. Bruce Wayne's got that Hollywood money. Have you seen J-Lo lately? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, she's she uh, all she's kinds like of 28, scary. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was in that explosion at the glass factory <laughs> next door to the razor wire plantation. <laughs> I do have to point out here at the very end, I don't know the versions you guys read, but in the trade they have the extra variant covers. And this, the the Trinity drawn by the Trinity, you know, Jim and Scott and Alex, Oh yeah, is phenomenal. Um, I mean, I want this fucking framed on my wall that, that is like incredible i'm like like <laughs> if i had known this existed would i have got the uh issue of hush signed when i sent away for that that signing probably not that is so fucking cool like oh my god yeah that is a good one easter eggs i it can't be easter eggs in a book that's all things no one understands where the reference is from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The entire book is an Easter egg. That's true. That's true. Um, I, I was going to mention, though, that in the in the opening montage, they have a, a direct recreation of the year one, issue one cover. Yep. I mentioned Alfred meeting them with the shotgun in the tunnel is uh, something that we do see uh, later in uh, Death of the Family. A reverse Easter egg. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, so- sometimes I like seeing older shit and going like, oh, hey, I bet that's where they got this idea, you know. Uh, future Superman throws his younger self through Jason's memorial display with his costume and then and a, throws... A memorial, too. Yeah, and then throws the 66 Batmobile at him. It's so uh-huh. fucking... Like, that is one of the best shots in the whole thing. I mean, I know that... I was harsh on uh, Ed McGinnis, but like the scene where he's holding the 66 Batmobile above his head for a full page. Oh my God, that is money. <laughs> it looks like it has a face also. <laughs> I love face cards. Um, did anyone catch that Toy Man's real name is Hiro Akamura 
which is one letter different than Hiro Nakamura, who is the kid from Heroes that there that Tim Sale worked on. Tim Sale being Jeff Loeb's partner for many other books. Uh-huh. That show was running at the time, and Tim Sale was working on it. So they're using this character. I don't know if he exists before, but he has almost the same name as one of the main uh-huh. characters on that show. It could just be like a they. They're very unimaginative with Japanese names. Yeah. Here's Hiro Nakamura and Hiro Akamura and Hiroki Mura. And- <laughs> <laughs> Orokusaki? Okay. Yeah. And then what else we got? So, oh yeah, there was a dumb line in one of the fights. It was like, time for you to go back in the box. Sealed and graded 9.9. I was like, you're going to make a weird <laughs> CGC joke in here? That's strange. Yeah. That, that was the one shot with the robots, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pat Lee issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the, the kids are fighting. And then the last Easter egg I had was uh, that when Kara and, and Cal approach the big Superman statue and they're talking about how the world sees him, it is the Dark Knight Returns bald eagle on the arm. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's pretty great. Except yeah. I, I do wish he was in like his cool uh, pirate costume. That he has <laughs> in that scene in the book. Like the, the Zorro, the open the vest. collar. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. His, like his Egon hair is like <laughs> blowing in the wind. He's, he's kind of got the uh, the Jerry Seinfeld pirate shirt with the, the <laughs> yeah, ruffle. <laughs> in that in-between issue with the robot fight is a billboard that has Dante from the Devil May Cry series oh. in the background. When they go to Apocalypse, it does one of those little narration blurbs to like, then... Smallville, we are here presently, and it says Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and uh, not super an Easter egg, but after the whole thing, post-apocalypse, they wake up in this like lovely bedroom thing that it reminds me a lot of Lord of the Rings. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. It reminds me of like. Frodo waking up in the Elf City in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and there's the slow-mo of everyone coming into the room and seeing him. Yeah. <laughs> they, they all jump on the bed together. Yeah, that's funny. They've got, like, the, the big ivory pillars and the greens and everything. Yeah. Even the coats, like, it's, it's like a little washed out. It's a little yellowy. Yeah, it's like morning sunrise shot or something. <laughs> okay, so, pros. I would just like to acknowledge that you know, sometimes you'll get like BVS, right? Where it starts out really good or like rises. It sort of just can't quite come together at the end. And this story is the polar opposite in that there's just a lot of crazy comic book shit going on. It's okay to me personally. Um, but then as I go, it continues getting better and better and better and has this great payoff, a really cool epilogue. And I, I don't know. I just thought that it was one of those rare moments that just continues to get better as it goes. Yeah, I, w- I would agree if I had to boil like prose down. It's just that it is the maybe in general, it's the opposite of the story I want to read, which is like a contained story that kind of exists on its own. Yeah, it, it exists for its own purpose. It is like you say, it's a it's a very, it's full of comic book shit. Yeah. Just so much stuff crammed in and like a blistering pace. And uh, it's just things don't get a chance to sit or settle. But for being that, it does it well. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I would almost, when we get to the, the 
grades I'll go over more, but it is like, it is two distinct things that we read here. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to judge them as, as a whole kind of like black mirror in that, like, why are these packaged as one a little bit? Uh But as I said, I think maybe these did exist as two separate trade paperbacks. Yeah. And we read the collected edition. Yeah, and I, I, it also just feels a little bit long too. It's I mean it's it's pretty fucking dense with all the characters, all the shit going on. Mm. I almost regretted doing this whole thing. It's pretty hefty. What are your pros? You love the narrow waists. <laughs> Tiny <laughs> ankles. I think it's really just the art to me and the Superman back and forth stuff the whole time. Yeah. Though I own all these individual issues, the, the Ed McGinnis God, stuff. Anyway. Saying, we get it. Stop bragging. <laughs> but I've spent so long away from this stuff that it is refreshing to come back to it again. I'm just reminded why I was drawn to it in the first place, and and I still really like it. And otherwise, I do like the back and forth between Batman and Superman a lot. Yeah. And while I don't like the second half of the story so much, it is largely in due to the art. But I like getting twice as much of the Batman Superman trade off stuff because otherwise you would just have like, admittedly, the first half is just like a whole lot of crap going on, plus some art that I like and some interesting dialogue. But if you read all of it together, then you get twice as much of that stuff. And that's probably my favorite part, at least overarching through the entire thing, is just the Superman Batman interactions. And I also like a lot of this stuff that. I like it a little extra because it's only shared with us, really, because they're like paying each other compliments at different times that the other person doesn't know anything about because they're just thinking like they're admitting to themselves how much they admire this other person. Like the respect and awe they have. Totally. Like how like, oh man, this guy's just great. Ben and Evan are super cool. I just never tell them that, you know. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. pretty gay, man. We don't talk about feelings. <laughs> we don't talk about that crap. I don't compliment my friends. Wow. Speaking of 90s lingo, wow. <laughs> man. Uh, the giant robot suit is ridiculous, and I know that it's ridiculous, but I also <laughs> love the giant robot suits. It does look kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cheesy, but I love giant robo, and I love the big O, and I just like giant robots. Amazing. I like the logo. I like. I really like yeah, the Batman Superman totally. logo together. Yeah. Yep. And there, there was one. This is like of no significance whatsoever. But there's what is what's the super dog's name? What's that dog's name? Crypto. Crypto. crypto yeah. There's, there's like a cat one, also. Really? Crypto. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like whiskers um, or something. Or <laughs> <laughs> so, licks licks his belly, sits on his spine <laughs> with a cape on. There's one panel where it's like Crypto's eyeballs. Like he's about to laser beam something. I can't remember where it is in his story, but it's like one of my favorite panels in the whole thing. It looks so cool. It was that little beat, which I really liked it, like Crypto not liking Kara. Yeah. (laughs) And then then Batman's like, don't you think it's weird that your dog doesn't like her? And then it's the last shot of like his angry mouth. And Superman's like, "Uh, the dog doesn't like anyone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what... uh, other people tell me when I visit their houses, oh, it's not just you. He doesn't like anyone. Yeah. I mean, this is a little much. It seems like he is extra angry at you, Sam. Yeah. Something about you. Like, I just want to pet him. It's like, why is he wearing a hood in the house? It's weird. <laughs> Fuck you. His eyes are too open. Roo, <laughs> While Sam was reading this, he was sending us screenshots of these kind of like political parallels between this 
Oh yeah, this Luther stuff and this in these Trump presidencies, and I thought that that was all really cool. And I and I appreciate anytime somebody can express thoughts that become like blanket things. They don't apply all the time, but you've written them to a non-existent character and yet apply in real life. But then when I was reading the story myself, I found a blurb in particular that I liked a lot. It was Superman, I think. And he said, I don't know what I actually remember or if it's just pictured in my mind. And I felt like I've had a lot of thoughts lately about like memory and repetition and what we actually do remember versus what we've just kind of like solidified in our own minds and stuff. And that one like resonated with, with me a little bit personally. Yeah, totally. I wish fucking babe said that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was Clark. (laughs) The beefiest beefcake. I love the way Ed McGinnis draws his junk. It's a fucking hot. Such a solid shadow. (laughs) Evan just likes those uh, big marshmallowy muscle suit guys, you know. (laughs) I do like that. Well, I mean, his his take on anatomy is like awesome, but everybody is like a bodybuilder or a small bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, But I love, I love those shapes and I love the shadows. Um, But, but I also know that Ed McGinnis loves pro wrestling and stuff. And so he, he just kind of creates like everybody becomes this like super buff pro wrestling character almost. Yeah. Not just buff, but like huge wide. Yeah. 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 Six foot shoulders. I like in the secret files in the back because they make a point of saying like, Superman is six foot three and two hundred forty pounds. Mm. Batman is six foot two and two hundred ten pounds. Like mm. explicitly, he's a little bit smaller, and that's yeah. what he is, and that's the relationship mm. physically between the two of them. Oh, I liked in the end too, in that same part with the character profiles that there was this. It wasn't in this story, but there's the picture of Metallo, and at one point Metallo is like a giant robot character, which I'd totally forgotten from some like other previous. Ed McGinnis Superman stuff like oh cool I don't know why they chose to use that picture mm-hmm. actually I freaking love that part because everybody gets like a profile pic that isn't found anywhere else in the comics and it yeah. also yeah. kind of reminded me of like Marvel and DC trading cards back in the day yes with like with the, with the covers and the stats and the story on the back I was like yeah. ah, I actually my favorite one out of all of them was uh, McGinnis's take on Talia I thought that was great Talia Ed yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's funny that in the picture it's like a fisheye with her head so like, close to the camera, like, like a dollar bill yeah. up or something like, like that. Head, my name's Talia, Mrs. Head. If you're nasty, she's got a gourd. Ben, did you have any other pros? I did. I really liked the beat in the one-off. Which the one-off overall, I thought was just kind of weak and pointless. Beat one-off? Is that what you said? The beat one-off and the beat one-off, a little pointless. Weakly <laughs> pointless. <laughs> yeah. um, I like that guy's art. I feel about that art the way you feel about Turner's art, where it is kind of like proportionally inconsistent and some of the moves are weird, but it, it has that look of like late 90s, early 2000s, Western Asian style, yes. which I like. But in that story, I just really like the beat of it's Connor is trying, wants to reveal to Superman that he just found out that he's like half Lex Luthor DNA and Batman knows Connor wants to say something. So like Batman saying Superman like, why don't you just confront him about it? He clearly wants to say something, and you should just talk to him about it. And Superman's like, oh, no, I trust him. You know, he'll tell me when he feels ready, and that's him. And then Tim Drake is saying to Connor, is like, you should just tell him. Why don't you just tell him that? Yeah. And then I think the, the other one, 
that I think I like even more is uh, Superman going, well, we're coming here. I mean, do you trust these kids? He's like, no, I don't trust anyone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, okay, that's reassuring. It's like, well, we're here. I'm here to ask them for help. Yeah. And then Connor says the same thing. He's like, it seems like Batman doesn't really trust us. And Robin's like, well, they asked for our help, didn't they? Yeah. They're uh-huh. here. Yeah, kind of a, a see the world in the parallel of that dynamic. Yeah, in that same story, like twice, it's like halfway through, and at the end, Superman is there and then flies away. But it's the same thing twice in a row, where like ah shit, ah, I didn't tell him or whatever. And but the other Superman shit is like is, he could hear it. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but, but both times though, they're, they're like, but they're saying something to each other, and he's not even far away, and. Guarantees Superman can hear whatever this. <laughs> yeah, even if he was far away. I chalked it up to like you know me. I'm constantly having to tune out the ringing in my ears and just focus on like you talking, for example, or like if you're in a noisy environment and someone's trying to talk to you and you're blocking out these other things because you're focused on that one thing. I, I thought maybe I can forgive it on that level, but again, it's just overanalyzing. Going well, there must be a reason that they did this so badly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Superman is very respectful. He knows not to eavesdrop on people. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. He, turns, he always, turns off his superhero. He's yeah, not constantly like checking out people's bodies under their underwear with his X-ray vision. <laughs> he turns that off because he's respectful. Yeah. There's this part, I think it's the beginning of the Turner stuff, and somebody says something about Batman's lead-lined cowl. Yeah. And I was like... That's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, why, like, why would he do that? Because the only character that I know of with this like X-ray vision is Superman, and he knows. Yeah, and what is Superman gonna learn from seeing your brain, anyways? Like, if he got to see your brain goo, then what's that gonna tell him? Uh, I think maybe it's more like his skeleton. It's like he could go home and then do a perfect drawing of his skeleton and go, "That's Bruce Wayne." That's Bruce Wayne's skeleton. I recognize that anywhere. You're right. That would be terrible. Yeah, I thought it was but more to seeing his face. Knows. But, you it's know. just a way to go like, Kara can't see his face. Yeah, exactly. Kara doesn't know that he's Bruce Wayne, and also she doesn't like, know who Bruce Wayne yeah, is. Anyway. Yeah, she's from she's another an fucking planet. Just got here. Exactly. Oh. I'll just squeeze in a, a last couple mentions here. Uh, yeah, squeeze it in. Yeah, squeeze it in. I totally agree with the dynamic they established from the first page of their inner monologues and mutual respect or whatever. I love how that plays out. I love the Supergirl story arc, the ending especially. Again, I really am a fan of, of Turner's faces and eyes, and um, I'll forgive whatever messiness or you know stylized, unrealistic stuff. I think making the characters emote from a comic book, I hold it in very high regard over many other details that they could do in the drawings. So... Yeah, because as you're saying that, I'm thinking like Ed McGinnis's stuff. He shows emotion well too, like with some of the Superman reacting to like some crazy shit or something. But yeah, I, the Mark Turner stuff resonated with me more. But I do think some of that's just the story. He got to tell the better story with his art. Yeah, and it again, it's just sort of that like we mentioned of the the nature of that style doesn't lend itself to. It's not supposed to be realistic. That's just not the goal, you know. And so. I just find it way more relatable when I connect to someone's humanity, especially in a big, super alien, otherworldly space time travel story. You know, like if you can mm-hmm. remind me that there's something I can connect to, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you can buy me in a lot better. Cons? Mine is almost entirely 
No, it is entirely art-related. And I've covered some of this. It says, Kara's stupid fortress shirt plus underwear around town. Turner's Bruce, because there's like the one scene where he's peeking around the corner and he's in <laughs> civilian clothes, and I really did not like how he looked. He has like slick back brown hair. Yeah, he has like, yeah. I'm cool anime glasses. Yep, he has like weird glasses. <laughs> he's, I don't like his eyebrows. Wait, um, was that a disguise or just how he looks? Because like he's famous too. Maybe a little bit of I both. Think, no, I, think I don't think just, he wears his hair like that normally. He's just billionaire back alley Bruce Wayne. <laughs> and if it is supposed to be him in disguise, it's another one of those things that they didn't explain to us. Um, I wrote Turner's art in general. I also noted, for some reason, Batman has like milk chocolate brown skin color the entire time. <laughs> He has especially tan skin in this for some reason, and I would think the opposite. I would think that he would be the most pastiest. Oh, because he's only out at night? Yeah. But for some reason, he is chocolate milky brown. <laughs> okay, so... Find, uh, find a picture. He's the, brownest, he's the brownest of everybody. So Evan wants the, uh, you know, the, the white-only Batman. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> nope, you're being stupid. Hmm. Interesting. I'm just, I'm just, you know, reading into it uh, the way a casual listener might wonder, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, I get it. It's like, you're one of those guys who'd watch Thor and be like, uh, Heimdall is not a black guy. I've, <laughs> looked, I've looked at all my photo books from Norse mythology. Heimdall is not a black guy. He's a white guy. Look, Jesus and is white, okay? <laughs> every picture I've seen of Batman in real life, he's a white guy. So, I don't, how could he be chocolate? I'm not even saying that. I'm not even saying that he isn't Caucasian. I'm just saying he has incredibly dark skin. Never Excuse seen Batman me? portrayed in a that Mediterranean way Batman. That's disgusting. <laughs> I'm. Oh my god. I'm really upset. Oh, I regret giving you shit about this. <laughs> Next. There's very little weight to the story. Most of it's in the back half with Supergirl, but even that, all the story beats that are supposed to have like real heaviness to them don't I, I think the only one that hit me was maybe when you think car is dead yeah and i read this story and i already knew that she wasn't but they they sold that scene pretty well i still kind of felt that with like after everything you just went to and then that asshole shows up and vaporizes her it was like oh that sucks but, but it was it, that was kind that. of like the killer comes back to life at the end of a horror movie and stabs you one last time you're like oh shit you know yeah like oh i thought we were safe yeah, and uh, but like the the harbinger death, yeah, just like completely weightless. It's like off screen; you can't even tell who she is. Yeah, we didn't um, learn anything about her other than her like what her secret power was. We didn't yeah, spend any time with her, and the whole story is like that. Other than the stuff I already said, that's the biggest wait, problems with it. Wait, I have a question now because when she saw the future in her little orb thing, wasn't it of Kara's body being held like that? That's yeah, because there was like Kara's. Part of Kara's super costume was like draped over her. Oh, so it looked like her. The reader are supposed to think that's Kara, and also because they look exactly the same. Yeah, I think it was actually the orbs were as confused as we. (laughs) They were like, "Isn't this Kara?" No, it's not. It's the orb owner. Maybe that's my bigger con, and it's kind of with that too. It's like this story does so many uh, big like cliffhangers or ending moments that are only like rationalized or explained in the next issue, but they're not just rationalized; they're like explained away. Yeah. It's like he goes to rescue Kara, and she's like, I don't want you to rescue me. 
Darcy's my real dad, and he's going to take care of me. And this is much better here. Yeah. And I'm not being hypnotized. This is my own choice. And then the next issue, she wakes up and she's like, I don't remember anything. And yeah, Darcy hypnotizes people, and he's got magic and stuff. It's okay. Yeah. And it's the same with Wonder Woman attacking them in the park. Like, she looked like she was ready to kill them and, like, fight them. Yeah. The next issue, it's, oh, she just wanted to take her here. And then it was also Batman's plan, too. That's yeah. What was going on. It's just like, it's constantly that, where it's. Yeah, just a big thing happens, and now actually it's not Doomsday; it's a bunch of robots. Yeah, Don't there's there's it. never any <laughs> consequence, <laughs> and I, I think the, a great ex- a great example of that where there's no consequence, especially for like a real dangerous villain showing up, is that Lady Shiva shows up in the everyone coming yeah. out of the woodwork to collect the bounty and take them down, and she is dealt with in I think three panels or something. And, and quickly, yeah, I was just like, I cannot abide this. <laughs> you, you could do maybe a little bit of head cannon or rationalization of like, oh, well, the gorilla was controlling her. He's not a very good fighter. He didn't have to learn martial arts. But yeah, that's that's the perfect one. And maybe it's because I don't know those other characters all that much. The other like side bad guys or Solomon Grundy, they beat him the way they always beat him. Like, yeah, just kind of punch him or whatever. But with her, it's like they even say it. He's like, she might be the best fighter I've ever fought. And, yeah now we'll finally see who's the best and then he just catches her punch and hits her yeah <laughs> like that's it the end and when you think about this story in general just like as you guys are talking i'm thinking about all the different uh like major things that they cover going from like um metallo to bad guy fight to good guy fight to Japan explosion. They do so many massive things in this comic that like eventually it gets to be like a little bit silly kind of just like a less is more thing, I guess, you know, because none of it can feel weighty. Yeah. If you're also going to like pilot a giant robot and take out this comet and then you're going to go to another planet. Oh my God. Captain Adam died in that explosion. Who? <laughs> who is that guy? Yeah. I feel like I'm supposed to feel something and I don't feel anything. Like, oh, you mean yeah. the guy who just came to beat the fuck out of you five minutes ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a shame. It's just too much, too fast all the time. And so none of it ends up feeling very significant because they just keep it moving. And, you know, it's big stuff, but it's not big stuff. None of it lasts. You know what it is? It's the opposite of what we discussed on Over the Edge. It's the opposite of the Paul Dini approach where you have a 22-minute episode where they crammed in so many things. Like, this shouldn't work, right? You've crammed like a a movie arc into a 22-minute episode and made us feel all the emotional beats, right? And Uh this is not a short book. This is 13 issues. It's like 300 pages. Yeah, like it's so long and yet nothing gets time to breathe uh-huh. ever you know it's 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 the opposite of that it's like okay well if they had half as much time and they needed to cram all this stuff in <laughs> sure but like they have so much time to tell a story and they chose to tell two complete stories <laughs> instead which is i think that's the mistake i was just thinking about in a lot of things in life i'm like attempting to like what's my take and what's my personality, but also try to be aware of other people's take on stuff. Cause I think that we have a tendency to be like, this is my perspective and this is 
Right. Absolutely. Well, this is absolute. This is correct and stuff. Like this is like this is the only way that a person could think about things. And I would never do that. Just, yeah. Well, good job, Sam. And all I could think was that, like, you, you know, here, 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 we're like talking about like all this stuff, just so much crap, absolutely weightless. And I was thinking about like, what if there was a person reading this comic who was just like falls deep in the story the entire time, and so they were actually like emotionally along for every one of these 32 like ups and downs in the story. They're, They're like, like, I can't believe they used Gaggy from 30 years ago. They brought in all these characters. It's amaming. Like, oh my yeah. God. They're just like so much. When they're actually they're, talking about like their emotions and stuff. They, and all the comics I read when I was a kid, they don't talk about any of that. Stuff. Yeah. This yeah. is crazy. They're actually getting into the inner workings of the characters. Yeah. But if they were, if they were actually being pulled along by like all the drama that this presented, that would be, uh, phenomenal and it would be exhausted <laughs> i think some of that too is like when you're talking about perspective like not just perspective on your own personal tastes and what works for you and what doesn't but if you're like someone like us or like a lot of people where you've you've read tons of stories you've watched tons of movies you've consumed so much media versus like if you don't do that ever and then every now and then you read the thing your experience with it is going to be different because your expectations are less your high watermark might be lower yeah so or- just for example, like, uh, you know, we're talking about whether or not we would have understood more if there was actually stuff that we should have read before this, because they talk about things as if we should know these things. Yeah. That's also the same way that, like, people's perspectives are so unique because they have a backstory that we could never have had. And in order to think the way that they think, we would have had to had have to have like lived their existence and you know therefore we just we, we we can't have that perspective and just kind of like the story either you do or you don't know this stuff move forward yeah 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 and if, I you think don't have, if you don't have an emotional experience to draw from you can't be empathetic with the characters yeah you, you're gonna have a harder time Sure. Maybe our perception of this would have been different had we known all those little things that they're dropping gems about. Yeah, and, if Lex Luthor had framed me and then put out a bounty <laughs> on my head, and then if my alien cousin came down and my best bud was like, "She's not your real cousin," mm-hmm. that would fuck you up. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is true, but it's also like we keep giving this thing passes. Like, this is an issue one. This is an issue one through thirteen, and so. There's only, like, so much of that that we can forgive. Yes, but this is, like, borderline issue one of Jesus and Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> it's like, these are, these are not strangers. Everyone already Jesus knows. Jesus and Lincoln. Wait, which one is which? Who wears the cowl? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Jesus, Jesus is Superman, obviously, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Who would illustrate that? <laughs> Uh, everyone's gonna want their chance at it, but we're, you know. Hey, you know Sean Murphy likes mixing in history, so. <laughs> That's true, and he has a profound respect for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that it's very well done. Just the McGinnis style, the big, bright, round, cartoony stuff—not for me. Uh, Turner's weird anorexia stuff. I mean, Wonder Woman has arms with muscles, right? And then just like deep collarbones and rib cage and nothing else going. Like, it's just, am I supposed to buy that these people are so powerful in the way that you have these big ass characters? You know, like Evan said, 
like sometimes in like anime or whatever, you're getting these smaller characters you might physically underestimate. But like that's not these characters. We just came from six issues of McGinnis, like that are Frank Miller sized. But yeah, those are my little. I just think art the piece. biggest takeaway people should have is that you're a pig and I'm not. That's fine. Trifecta. What's the uh, detective category? Was there anything that stood out to you there? Yeah, every time Batman has like a thing on his head or face, and he's going like, I love this shit. It's my favorite part of the job is being in a grave or examining <laughs> crypt- Kryptonian ruins and figuring stuff out. Yeah, it's like uh, when they do this thing in comics where they just tell me stuff and I believe it. And Batman was like, I'm a detective. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I think that a lot of the, you could kind of couple the detective and ninja categories in this because a lot of his fight stuff, they're intellectual victories too, you know, whether it's the castling moves or beating Darkseid prior to entering the room, you know, things like that is, is that he's, he's still using that skill set even when it comes to the face-off moment, you know? Yeah, his mental also, superiority. Yeah, I also think a lot of his detective stuff is instead applied to people and psychology instead. Yeah, you know he's he's always thinking about Superman and stuff. But then you add in the Kara element, and he's trying to like work his way through this Kara introduction the whole time. And so it's so yeah. it, it becomes more about like we're listening to him think about people's intentions and who could this person be and sure. what's what's true and stuff. Yeah, the characters themselves become a puzzle to solve. Yeah, yeah. Trauma. It's, it's not like huge, but it is the kind of the whole point when you're supposed to look at the difference between the characters. Yeah. That he just, he doesn't trust people and he's negative and cynical and Superman isn't. Superman is the opposite of that. Yeah. And it, it reminded me a little bit of the BVS uh, Martha scene in the beginning of that when he's saying like, I bet your parents taught you right from wrong and this and that. And my parents taught me dying alone in the gutter. And, and they sort of do that in the beginning of contrast not only their exact origin of like his parents getting killed or being flown out of an exploding planet but specifically like a little bit of their actual upbringing and the way they see the world their perspective you know but batman versus superman superman's like no i'm fucking dark too man i'll laser your goddamn head off (laughs) bitch don't talk to me like that (laughs) all right ratings i think it's a three it's kind of like the other stuff where if I was going to look at the two books separate, I would probably give the Supergirl story a four and uh, the public enemy story like a two or a two and a half. But as a whole thing, it's like a three or maybe a two and three quarters. I'm exactly with you on that because I I feel conflicting ratings. And I was thinking like the first half of this, I was like, damn, am I going to give it two? And then as it's ramping up at the end and all the apocalypse shit going crazy, I'm like, fuck, this is a four. And I'm like... Split the difference. It's yeah, not going to work. Yeah, thing. We read this book. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel pretty comfortable that three at best, just because it's uneven. But uh, yeah, Ev? I agree. I would be in the as low as two, as high as three range. Yeah. Cool. Well, any closing thoughts before we uh, take a quote-unquote week off before we talk about Justice <laughs> League? Oh, you know, I looked into it. So Alex, shut up. Alex Ross, he or whoever worked on Kingdom Come, they did create Red Robin. 
the Red Robin in that universe is just Dick Grayson later on. Weird. And then it got used for Jason Todd, and then it got folded into Tim Drake as Red Robin. But it has that costume that we saw? Yeah, that, that version of that, what that character The weird like hood? The yeah, yeah. Dick Grayson, yeah. Nice. Originally. Okay, cool. Huh. Nice. All right, well, that concludes our random trivia bit that's after the ratings. Boom, baby. You asked if I had anything else to say. I have lots more to say. About this fucking don't, book. Don't hit stop. Don't hit stop. Hold on, <laughs> oh I just need to collect book. my thoughts. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman. All right, that is our show. Now, I have to say, every time I read this story before or read any Supergirl, I would say Kara, because I know real people in real life named Kara, and it's spelled the same way. But it's that damn Melissa Benoist show that got me saying Kara. So editing this episode, I heard us say Kara a million times, and it bugged the shit out of me, but I had to say that. Appreciate you guys listening. As always, please subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. We are going to continue in the Snyderverse with the theatrical Justice League, okay? The Joss Whedon version, the rewrites, reshoots. We're going to do that next as we lead up to the Snyder Cut, all right? So we will see you guys this time next Friday with Justice League.